The riots in Kenosha are disturbing, but what's more disturbing, uh, it's, it's this footage coming out where Black Lives Matter is walking up to people and demanding they salute them with their revolution fist. And I find that particularly creepy because the people who don't do it get, they get hounded and berated. So you literally now have zealous groups of cult-like, you know, cult-like groups of individuals marching around demanding allegiance to some idea that most of these people probably don't even know. But I, I do think, you know, while that may be creepy, creepy and, and worrisome in the long term, you know, when we look into the future, it's also partly disturbing that they're burning down buildings, they're destroying property. And one of the things that's really interesting that we're seeing now are these armed groups coming out. They're standing guard in front of property. They're telling people, look, we're not we're not against you. We just don't want you destroying innocent people's property. There's some really horrifying videos, but there's a lot we got to talk about because there's one politician I saw. Well, I shouldn't call him a politician. He's probably mad at me already. Don't do it. So there's there's a video I saw from somebody who's a leader talking about the problems of Antifa. Better. 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 And uh, yeah, uh, Sean Parnell is joining us. You want to just introduce introduce yourself, you know, let people know who you are. Yes, well, I'm Sean Parnell. I am not a politician. I like to consider myself a leader. I, I, I led in infantry platoon at the height of the hunt for bin Laden back in 2006. Uh, our mission was just to find them. <laughs> we didn't. We yeah. uh, found a lot of bad guys instead. My platoon took an 85% casualty rate. Some of my men were wounded twice. I was wow. wounded myself, uh, and I was medically retired before my time. I intended to join the military to make a career of it, go into the Special Forces, try out for Delta. I mean, that was at least, as a young kid, that was my goal. Um, I didn't get that opportunity. I, I got blown up by a rocket-propelled grenade and, and was put out of the military, medically retired. And, and, and 10 years ago, I, I left the military really broken, broken, like didn't really know what I was going to do with my life. In fact, I came I driving back from Fort Drum, which is where I was stationed. You know where Fort Drum is? No. Uh, you said you were looking at upstate New York, so I, th- I thought you might. Uh, so there's two seasons up there, July and winter. It's like <laughs> up on the border with like it's like up on the border with Canada. Yeah. And um, dri- dri- driving home from there, I'm like, I have no idea what I'm going to do with my life. And so I uh, came back to Pittsburgh, which is where I was born and raised. Um Started. I went to grad school. Came back. Went to grad school and 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 started trying to tell the story of my troops because by and large, like most of my soldiers, felt like they were completely forgotten in Afghanistan. In fact, they'd go home on their R and R leave, their rest and relaxation leave, and, and and Americans would see them in their uniform and they'd thank them for their service and they say, "Wow, where are you stationed? Oh, you were in Afghanistan. Oh, thank God, thank God, you were in Afghanistan because Iraq is just so dangerous." And my guys would be like. What the hell? I just got shot in the head last week. What? What? So they'd come back to the battlefield, to the front, and talk to me and say, sir, they, they don't know. American people don't know what's going on over here. And so when I was medically retired, we all sort of went our separate ways. Some left the Army. Some moved to different duty assignments. And I went back to grad school, and I said, you know, I have to figure out a way to tell their story, to make sure that they had a legacy. You know, to make sure that their their sacrifice was not forgotten so that they never found themselves in a situation with their kids or their wife someday where they maybe, maybe they, their own family didn't know what they had been through for this country. Yeah. And so that that, the, you know, that, that story uh, became Outlaw Platoon and Outlaw Platoon became a bestseller. And that gave me an opportunity to give back to my country in greater ways. I've been doing charity work. Um, you know, I've got a. a a nonprofit that I'm a small part of that gives service dogs to vets, first responders cool. and their families. Yeah. And so I feel like, you know, you don't need a uniform rank or a title to, to serve your community. And so I've, I've been doing that for, for boy, eight years now. And then 
all that changed when the president came to the district and name dropped me. <laughs> so, so, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Why, why did Trump came to your district? Why did he name drop you? Yeah. So I, I, I've never, I, I, at that time I had never talked to him and I I've still never met the man. Um, he came to the district, gave a big speech at the Marcella shale coalition there. And he sort of name dropped me to, to run for Congress. And I was like, I wasn't even there. I was down in South Carolina at a charity event and I walk off the stage. You know, have you ever you're like phones just like this, like yeah, no, no, notifications no, no, no. nonstop, just blowing up. I'm like, what the hell is going on? And I look at it. My mom's just like, ding, ding. <laughs> ding. I'm like, damn, there, there, there's like a there must be a death in the family. I was afraid. My mom is a, a very strong Italian woman and she doesn't she doesn't, there's like no drama with her. You know what I mean? Yeah, she doesn't yeah. do that stuff unless something big is going on. And so I, I, I find a place to hide and I call her after this event and they're like public events. So there's like a stage and people and there's a move that bus moment with the service dog. It's real cool. And um, I'm like, Ma, what, what's going on? Like, and she goes, Sean. I'm like, oh, sh- yeah, I did something <laughs> wrong. I'm like, Ma, what's wrong? And she goes, are you running for Congress? And I said, Ma, <laughs> no, I'm not running for Congress. And she goes, there was just silence. And then she goes, well, the president of the United States says you're running for Congress. And I said, Ma, put, put the wine down. <laughs> it's like too early, too early in the day for this. Yeah. And so she, I get, she sends me this video. And you could probably find the damn thing on one of these Star Trek computers that you got here. Oh, yeah, we do. And, 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 um, and it's the president calling me out like, to, to run. And so I said, okay, let's do this. It turned our life, turned my, my private sector life upside down, uh, got in the race, and declared a couple weeks later and we've been doing this ever since and i feel like it's you know running for political office is a grind in so many ways but really you know one of the things i'm a noob at this you know but you know politicians tend to think elections are about them right yeah but it ain't true elections are about the people and so i try to keep my focus on the people everyone not just i mean i'm a a republican i'm a conservative um, you and I are probably very different in a lot of ways. Yeah. But um, I tr- I'm, a, I'm a leader. Like when I was in Afghanistan, I had Democrats and Republicans in the same foxhole, black next to white, rich next to poor, ner- northerners next to southerners, Christians next to atheists. And we were placed on some remote hilltop in Afghanistan and told to figure it out. And I learned very quickly that if, if that if we did not learn to look past our, our many differences as Americans, we would have probably perished on some remote hilltop in Afghanistan somewhere. And, and so that's sort of become the bedrock of my leadership philosophy is just trying to bring people together regardless of, of what, they, what they believe or what they look like or what God they worship. Uh, because I know that when Americans are united, we really can accomplish anything. I mean, for God's sake, we went to the moon with less technology than you got in this room here. Yeah, you know? that's actually true. Your cell phone got exactly. more, more computing power than that rocket. Exactly. But we figured it out, right? Definitely. And so United, you know, with a free exchange of ideas, you know, meeting in the middle, coming to consensus, challenging each other, this country can do, can do anything. In fact, that's why this country is where we are today. So you're running against uh, a Democrat. Yes. What's his his name's Connor Lamb. Connor Lamb. And you're actually in a Republican district. Yeah. Right? Yes. It's a, so four years ago, if the district had existed, it's a new district. It was gerrymandered. So it, it was, I don't know what the stats work. It was like an R plus 20 district where he won his first race in a, in a special election. It was the only game in town. 
a couple years later, it was drawn to like an R plus four, maybe an R plus three, R plus four. So it's it's more competitive. It's a swing district in every in every sense of the word. It's really the, yeah. the, the district is the quintessential swing district divided right down the middle. Um, and he's you know, it's a district that President Trump had it existed four years ago. He would have won the district by, oh, boy, 10,000 or so votes. And Senator Pat Toomey, who was also on the ballot that year, a very, very different Republican from President Trump, um, also won the district by a larger margin. So. Two very different Republicans have demonstrated the ability to carry the district in the last four years, and there's a Democrat in there now. Right and on. And he's on defense. So for those that are just tuning in, um, it's particularly convenient that you were able to come by for, for several reasons. You just did this um, this explosive RNC speech. Uh, I thought it was awesome. Oh, thanks, man. Thank you, all, you. You, you also, uh, I saw the ad you did where you talked about Antifa and the violence in the far mm-hmm. left, mm-hmm. and I have, I'm not seeing a lot of that. It often feels like Republicans aren't paying attention how, how long has the censorship issue been a big issue, uh, a big problem for a lot of people online? And we ended up only seeing a couple Republicans actually tackle it. Not that I think every single Republican should, but there's a handful of people I can name. There's Ted Cruz, Josh Hawley, Matt Gates, who have been focused on issues that people have been, at, at least what I'm seeing. I don't, I don't you know, think that literally everybody sees the same problems, but particularly, particularly online. People who are watching these videos are seeing Antifa writers go around smashing stuff. Mm-hmm. And it feels like, for one, the Democrats are lying about it. They're saying it's a myth. Nothing's oh, going on. Sure. Peaceful oh, protests. Nothing but peaceful protests. They're just peaceful. And so now we, we so I actually, uh, I hit you up recently saying like, yo, would you, would you be down to come on, uh, come on the show? And then it was several days later when, you know, Kenosha lit up. Mm-hmm. And so now we have this, this next night and the, you know, the lead story that we're, uh, that we're going to start with, these guys are showing up to protect businesses. So we'll talk a bit about this, for, but for those that are just tuning in, make sure you hit the like button. Uh, hit, hit the subscribe button. We're live every Monday through Friday at 8 p.m. And that's the general introduction for Sean. But let's just uh, let's just jump right into it. Mm-hmm. What what uh, I mean, yeah, what are your thoughts on all the riots? You made this powerful ad. You had two really powerful ads, actually. Yeah. You had that one viral ad where you're walking through, I guess, like a warehouse. Or, yeah. You want the full story on that? Do that. Go for it. Let's, let's roll. <laughs> you want to know how it went down? Well, actually, actually, let's 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 we'll start with the, okay. the Antifa stuff. All right. Just because I promised, you know, I'm like, hey, we're going to talk about Antifa. Oh, we're leading in with it. Yeah, let's do yeah. it. Okay. But then we'll, we'll talk about the other ad you did. Yeah. The second ad I did was an ad that was condemning the mob violence. And, and, and the thesis or the point of the ad was that if you don't condemn the mob, uh, you you support it. You know, you've got to if, if we've been told silence is violence, right? So or silence is consent or silence is consent, whatever the new phrase is. But (laughs) um, the point is, is I feel like the the looting, the rioting, the burning, you know, we talked about this. What happened to George Floyd was was horrible. Absolutely. It should not happen in this country. You know, in fact, I came out before my Democrat opponent and said, we need we need to seek justice for that. This isn't right. Uh, And Democrats and Republicans were remarkably unified in that every police officer that i talked to was like whoa this ain't right okay so we had this unprecedented moment of unity that could have been seized upon to 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 really to really seek justice for that family and do what was right instead we the rioting and looting what it what it does is you know it doesn't it doesn't serve george floyd's memory well Right. I think all of us can honestly say that that these these rioting and the looting is not about George Floyd anymore. Right. Absolutely not. And so what's happening is they're burning down people's homes, their businesses. 
they're, they're, some of these, their businesses. I mean, my goodness, you, you start, you start your own podcast. How many, how much of your blood, sweat and tears did you put into this, man? It's the starting your own business podcast venture in this country is not easy to do any business, to be honest, any business, most businesses fail. And so when I see innocent people whose businesses and homes and, and, and American dreams are being burned to the ground, it, it upsets me. It hurts my soul. And, you know, the tragic irony of a lot of this is is most of these riots, I mean, they're happening in Democrat-run cities. They just are. And yep. it's just a fact. Um, and they're disproportionately affecting minority communities. Absolutely. And minority business owners. There's a, a viral tweet going around right now that shows the, the increase in shooting violence in New York following defunding the police. Mm-hmm. And guess which demographic is predominantly victimized in the shootings? It's the black community. So in the black community, if you if you look at the polling, they want more police. Yeah. They want a stronger police presence. And so it, all I did with the ad was just say, if you don't condemn the mob, you endorse the mob. It was a call to action, a shot across the bow for both political parties to say, look, look, this is this is our history. Right. And, you know, here's here's the way I explain it to people on the stump in Pittsburgh. Right. While Democrats and Republicans on the Hill quibble about who's worse, you know, Teddy Roosevelt or Grant or Christopher Columbus or St. Michael <laughs> and which statue should, you know, yeah, the, the, the these the Antifa, right? And these these self-proclaimed Marxists, these trained Marxists. And this isn't just me saying this, this is on their website. They've said it themselves. So if we just said in the city of Pittsburgh, all the 70s Super Bowls, the four Super Bowls that the Steelers won, they didn't happen. And you know what we're going to do? We're going to take all those Super Bowl trophies out of Heinz Field. All the players that made it into the Hall of Fame during the 70s, taking them out. All the blood, sweat, and tears that the fans, the coaching staff, and the players invested in those Super Bowls didn't happen. Well, everybody that grew up in the city of Pittsburgh cheering for the Steelers would still love the Steelers. Do you want to know why? Because it's woven into the fabric of our DNA. We love the Steelers. We wear our jerseys to church on Sunday, for God's (laughs) sake. So we would still love the Steelers. But you know what? My kids, the next generation, a little bit less. The generation after that, probably not at all. Oh, you know, uh, the Washington football team. I got I got some uh, Redskins Ziploc bags. (laughs) I I, I had to make sure I could buy something off Amazon because they were getting rid of it. And I don't like censorship. I don't like destruction of history. I like uh, preserving art. And so I went on Amazon and I bought a box of Redskins Ziploc bags. You can't buy them on Amazon anymore. They don't exist anymore. Are you sponsored by Ziploc? Is that why you're doing that? No, I just thought it was kind of funny. <laughs> like of all the things I could get, I got Ziploc bags. It's yeah. hilarious. I could actually well, use them. Well, so the point is, is that this is, this is about making America easier to change generations from now. Okay. They're playing mm-hmm. the long game. And I cut that ad to help wake people up. And... You know, I, I had you know people in the media, you know, in, in local Pittsburgh papers saying that, you know, oh, you know, Sean, you can do better than that. The rhetoric. I'm like, so wait a second. You're not OK with me calling out mob violence, but you're OK with the mob violence. Right. Like, it's not OK for me to condemn it, but it's OK. It you know, it's OK to burn people's buildings down and you're going to condemn me for calling it out. But not my opponent, who is posing in with defund the police stuff. Did he really pose with defund the police? Yes. Wow. Oh man. Yes. That's crazy because 
every every oh, he'll, he'll he'll tell you well of course i'm not for defunding the police it's like yeah okay okay uh-huh. well i mean you're marching around with protesters posing with pictures arm in arm with defund the police signs now imagine i did something like that would me saying well i don't really believe that would that ever fly no they did it with uh the dude we had on the other day billy prempe he's a republican running in north jersey he took a picture with a bunch of people one guy pulled out a q flag all of a sudden, oh, they're that's all it. yeah. Well, that's exactly he's right. A supporter. You know, that's, that's a great. It. That's a great example. That's a yeah. great. Ex- if it, you know, and <laughs> I mean, it would. It's not. It wouldn't be excusable for me. So you know, even you know. So I wish it was. I I I'd have no problem saying, look, the guy's probably marching around. Some people pull out a defund the police thing. I'm not, I'm gonna ask him about it. if he denies it. That's okay. Same same would go for you. But the media won't give you that courtesy. No, they won't. The media is gonna only one side gets a courtesy. It's, it's it's beyond courtesy. It is oh, they're fully overt. In, the, the main campaigning, the mainstream, the mainstream. Oh, such a such an overused term, but the mainstream media, they they really are they really are in the tank. I, 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 look, I, I I I used to hear the, the president talk about fake news, and I used to laugh, right? Mm-hmm. And I and I'm like, yeah, it's true, but you know, the president being tongue in cheek, he's funny, right? And and the president, he likes to get people riled up. You know, he just does. He's a fighter like that, and um. That's incidentally, I like that. I like that about him. I like that he's a fighter, and I think that's why people elected him because they feel like he's a fighter. Um, and I'll give you my logic on that if you yeah, want yeah. In, in a couple minutes. But um, you know, I I don't even remember where the hell I was going with that. Fake news. Trump's a fighter. Oh yeah, there you go. There you go. Yeah. Well, so so now, but now that I'm in a race, <laughs> I'm like, oh my god, fake news. It's ev- it's everywhere. It's real, yeah. And so <laughs> I'm 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 half joking, but I'm half not. But if you look you look at some of the headlines out there today. They clearly don't want the president to be reelected. Oh, certainly. And the New York Times, I think it was this morning, peaceful marches give way turn to... Violent. Turn violent. Like, no, no, no. They didn't even say turn violent. They say give way <laughs> to burning buildings and looting <laughs> or to like fires and looting. It's like give way. That's some, what seri- is that's some serious mental gymnastics. Peaceful marches. Yeah. So I, I pulled up a bunch of these stories. Protest, 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 protest. They all say protest. They all say demonstration. They all, a bunch of them say peaceful. And it's like uh, what you were saying, you know, how they want to make it easier to change this country. I think what we're seeing with the media is there's two things. For the most part, they're scared of the left. I think most of these big companies that bend the knee to the the woke outrage are scared of violence. Like you got this video where, you know, I I don't think I can play it, but you got this video where they surround this woman. uh, She's leaning back as they're screaming in her face, demanding she raise her fist. Yeah. This image to me is the perfect example of what's been happening across this country for all these companies, for all these politicians, for the media. If, if I'll, I'll put it this way. If you said, hey, we should fund the police, and they said, no way, would you rally a bunch of people to go and smash windows and start fires? And- Absolutely not. Exactly. I mean, look, this, this is why you, there's this poll that came out recently, something like, 67% and don't, don't quote me on the numbers I'm, 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 I'm 67% of Americans some huge number don't feel comfortable sharing their political views yeah Cato Institute yeah and in fact the only people that do feel comfortable are like the, the far the, left far left and so <laughs> that, that's why you know when we I see it play out on the ground in, in, in politics while we campaign like we work really hard to go everywhere and meet people and build coalitions and be there for the people and you know we'll go to people's doors and be like, hey, do you want do you want to sign? Because that's part of like the gig. You're like, hey, you want to sign? And they're like, yeah, we'll take one of your signs. That's great. What well, do you want? Want a sign for the president? Oh no, we don't want our house to get burned down. Yep, you yep. Know? I mean, but 
is that not a sad commentary of where it, we are? That was the whole, so we talk about my my speech at the convention. That was part of it. Like, yeah, let's like the Republican Party. We are the big tent party. We're the party of diversity of thought. In our tent, you will be free. Yep. In our tent, you will not be canceled. In our tent, you are free. And so I feel like we want to cultivate that in America, but that's part of what made America such an exceptional country. So let's uh so obviously you wouldn't lead a march with torches, but <laughs> obviously the left would, right? And they are. So think about I mean, what, look, look, I mean look at the, look at this video. Right, exactly. The, 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 this video is scary. This yeah. video is scary. It's horrifying. Surrounding this woman, she's being pushed back and they're screaming at her, raise your fist. She's saying no. There's, there's, this, this, this is not the only video. They went around to a bunch of restaurants. But so, so think about what that means. You work for you know, CNN. They smashed up the front of the CNN building, and they, they tried breaking the lobby. I think they got in. They got shoved out. They've gone to other companies. They will threaten violence, and it works. It, it works. These companies yeah. bend the knee as fast as they can. And so what ends up happening, go, going back to what the point I was making about these, these companies, uh, the, these news outlets that say protesters mm-hmm. instead of rioters, one, one big reason is that they're scared they'll be attacked. They go on the ground. They do get attacked. True. We, we had this uh, 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 Elijah Schaefer as a reporter for The Blaze. Do you see his video that came out where the guy flipped the gun in his face? Mm-mm. You hear a click. I don't know if he actually dry fired it because it doesn't look like his fingers on the trigger, but there's a, there's a click. Elijah's saying you know, he's, he's, they're, they're in the middle of a conversation. What do you do? You know, what would you do to the cops? And the guy pulls out a gun and points it at him and then puts it away. And it sounds like, you know, there's a click of some sort. I don't know what it is, but they're willing to get violent. And they're willing to target journalists. So a lot of these journalists are scared and would say, hey, I would rather not challenge them, you know, because I don't want to have any violence directed at me. But I think the more nefarious thing that needs to be brought up is that these journalists, many of them write peaceful marches because they're on their side and they're covering for them on purpose. And I know because I've worked at these companies and they straight up are like, no, 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 don't, don't, you know, don't say it like that because it'll make them look bad. And oh, then, I uh, b- believe me. I mean, you know, if look, I mean, you talked about you talk, not a single. I don't want to say not a single. Most Democrats would never win elections if the media didn't constantly fly cover for them. You know, yeah. most people in my district do not know about Connor Lamb's radical voting record. OK, and look, I'm, I'm sure that he's a nice guy. Right. Uh, I'm campaigning on his record, on his policy votes. He's making it personal, making up lies about me and stuff like that. But that's what they do when they're losing. That's what the left does. This character assassination, the politics right. of personal destruction. That's why I didn't, that's why I was loath about getting into politics in the first place. Right. But if we, if we allow the left to do that, then good people don't rise up and run out of fear. We can't allow it to happen. So I felt that this country was important enough and the, the future, gen, the, gen, the next generation for my children, we want to make sure that our kids, all of our kids, inherit a country that is rich with opportunity and is just as vibrant as the one that you and I, I want my kids to have the same opportunity that you did, if not more. That's our job. That's what my parents thought. That's what the, my grandparents thought. And, and, it, and it was hard fought. And, and, what, and so if, you know, if the media were playing fair, you know, Democrats would likely never win because their agenda in this day and age. And I say Democrats. I really am drawing a distinction. I knew Democrats. OK, you know, old, you know, the, the union Democrats that built this country, that, that, that really they really did built this country from the ground up are not the same people as Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. I'm, you know, and I'm not trying to yeah, I'm not yeah, trying yeah. to impugn her either. I'm just simply saying that. My grandfather was a lifelong union Democrat and he would not recognize the Democrat Party today. In fact, most Democrats that I talk to cannot believe 
the, the Democrat Party platform in 2020. And, and they're looking for other options. And I think as, as a leader, you know, yeah, I'm a Republican and I'm a conservative and I don't shy away from that. But I, I consider myself a leader and a representative of the people first, last and always. And leaders, we've got to step up and give those people an option. You did a popular speech at the RNC, to put it, to put it, put it one way. But one of the things you said was, you know, de- Democrats shouldn't be afraid that they should, you know, come in. and Yeah, absolutely. 100%. Yeah, do you want to just just go for it? Tom, what was that? What was that? What did you say? What was it about? <laughs> yeah, so I wrote a, a speech that was sort of an unconventional convention speech in that it was largely based in my platoon story in Afghanistan on a fight where we were almost overwhelmed, and I talked about how diverse we were and how we needed to look past those our many differences in order to succeed on the battlefield. I, I said this I said this earlier in the in the podcast, but but what I pivot to is 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 trying to give. Democrats who feel like their party has left them another option, not saying that they've got to compromise their values, not saying that we have to agree on everything. Why should we have to agree that things are so polarized? Everyone expects you to be in lockstep with the Democratic Party. and, And the same is true for the Republican Party. No, that is not true. I don't even agree with everything my own family says. I mean, we sit around the <laughs> dinner table and it's like one big argument. Yeah. That's yeah. what it means to be an American. But the point I was trying to make is that the modern day Democratic Party is they're the poly they, they, somewhere along the way. You know, there's been a paradigm shift where the Democratic Party, the new Democratic Party is the party of hedge fund managers, Hollywood celebrities, university professors, uh, tech tech moguls. Um, and they don't represent the modern American working man or woman. And I feel like I feel like those Democrats, I feel like it's it's our job. It is our job as as leaders in this country to give them another option and saying, look, we don't have to agree on everything, but you're always going to get a fair shake from me. You're always going to know exactly where I stand and I'm going to represent you well and show up for you and make sure that you can put food on the table for your family. You know, not that the uh, political hit piece, you know, writers will care. But I'm going to back up what you just said. We have, I, so I immediately just pulled this up. It's from 2016. Uh, Democrats are replacing Republicans yeah. as the preferred party of the very wealthy with a smiling Hillary Clinton. Yeah. This is yeah. Vox.com that wrote this, showing the pr- presidential vote share among top 4% of income earners. Democrat, Democrats took over. Yeah, well, They became the party of the rich. You're, you're absolutely right. And it's the truth. It's well, the you're, truth. you're right. I'm just, I'm just showing you the source. Well, well, yeah. Th- th- I th- th- thank you for doing that. Because <laughs> I feel like there's somebody out there researching this, this you know, They're gonna, to they'll, refute they'll, what I'm saying. They'll but, pull out of the context anyway and say, oh, you know. Oh, my gosh. Mo- yeah. yeah. They're, but they're but this way, the people who are watching might, are going to be like, oh, wow. Even Vox? Vox is progressive. And they straight up said the Democrats are the party of the rich. And look, here's the deal. In Pennsylvania, people remember what it's like to have the rug pulled out from under them. You know, Barack Obama and Joe Biden cost Pennsylvania over 50 plus thousand manufacturing jobs, steel jobs, oil and gas jobs. Right. The president has has brought those jobs back. And if you talk to those companies and these are companies that are owned by Democrats and Republicans, they'll tell you life was tough under eight years under President Barack Obama. But what President Trump has been able to do for our company is is nothing short of miraculous. He's cut, he's rolled back your regulations, and guess what? That allows us to take more of our own money and invest it in our company, whether it be new pieces of equipment, better benefits there for their employees, uh, hiring new people. You know, yeah. um, it, 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 what President Trump has done for the state of Pennsylvania has been miraculous, and that's why I think you see this: the, the, the Pennsylvania Democrat Party is fractured right now between 
hard leftist socialists, progr- progressives, I call them regressives because nothing about their ideology is progressive. Right. Um, and more moderate Democrats. What what makes what makes Connor Lamb now? Now we talk about my opponent. Now everyone, the media were like, "Oh, he's moderate. He's moderate. Well, he's moderate. You're you're saying that he's moderate because he says so. Look at his voting record. Is someone? It, now I'll ask your audience this too: Is someone who votes with Ilhan Omar and Alexandria Ocasio Cortez, two of the most radical members of the Democratic Party, over ninety percent of the time, is that moderate? Is that a moderate vote? Hell no, of it's not. not. It's not. And so, um, that is, you know, that's not what he said he was going to do. And the job is to be a representative by and for the people. If you lie to the people, it's disqualifying. You He's, know, like I said, like I said, Tim, we might not always agree. In fact, guess what? I, in fact, I can guarantee we won't always agree. But at least you know, probably us. in this show, at some point, probably we're, in this show. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sure. Later, later on, there, there was, you know, there there was uh, uh, protests erupting. A lot of these districts that were congressional Republican, they voted for Trump, 2016, and Republicans switched to Democrat for Congress in 2018, and then with impeachment. There was protests erupting. People were yelling, saying, this is not what you said you were going to do. You had Democrats saying, we're going to bring everything back. We're going to take the focus off of Trump and and focus on kitchen table issues. And then what did they do as soon as they got the House? Impeach. They were trying to impeach the president three months before he was elected. Ever since he took (laughs) ever took ever since he took his hand off the Bible, they tried to impeach that man. And then they then then look at what they did to Brett Kavanaugh. It was horrifying. Okay, they made up straight up unsubstantiated lies about the guy in front of his wife was horrifying. His kids, his wife and his kids. And then they trotted out this Russia hoax. And look, I don't care. Half of your viewers are probably liberal, but it was a hoax. It It was was. nothing true about it. And then then they trot out this Ukraine nonsense. They have tried every everything in their power to undermine this president. And so the point in my speech last night was that you know people ask me well what do you agree with the president but it's like no i don't agree with the president on every issue why should i be expected to agree with someone on every issue but imagine what we can accomplish in this country look at all the amazing things that this president has done already right he unshackled our economy like no other president in our history he made us energy independent i never thought i'd see that in my lifetime now half of your viewers probably don't understand your listeners I, I mean, they're probably big into climate change. Well, I think Republicans need to own the climate change issue, right? Because it's precisely the transition from coal, you know, a, a, you know, coal to a cleaner burning natural gas that has allowed us to decrease our carbon emissions every year for the last 20 years to a standard that is better than what's set forth in the Paris Climate Agreement, right? And there's also a moral component to this argument as well, Tim. You know, the the pursuit we should have an all of the above energy strategy where we right. can reuse where we can use renewables let's do it but just saying we're going to go wholesale into the green new deal you know who is affected by energy costs that will that will rise by four or five times lower income families we have a moral obligation to those people to make sure that their energy costs are cheap so they can direct those resources elsewhere in their lives and invest in their children in their future in their school so you know the, the, this president has done really unbelievable things for for this country in just three short years. And my whole point was like, maybe we could imagine what we could do if we just actually work with the guy. So this, the, the area we're in is like the Philadelphia suburbs, but we're, yeah. we're across the river on the, over on the Jersey side. And there's a couple of things that I find interesting, you know, with what you're saying. One thing is that in the past year, especially before COVID, I kept hearing from people around here that the 2019 was the best year they've ever had in their lives in terms of making money, their, the success, the expansion of their business. 
I saw nothing but smiles on faces when I'd go to these stores and people would tell me, you know, I went to go buy furniture and they were just jumping up and down happy. Like it's been great sales through the yes. roof. The economy is booming. I talked to some, uh, some, you know, landscaping guys. It's the same thing. Best year of their lives. It's, it's wonderful. Yep. And then I was talking to this, this one young guy and I, you know, about politics. And he said that it was a great year for him. He doesn't know much about Trump. I said, you know, would you give him credit for the economy? He's like, I don't know, man, but I'll tell you what, I'm going to vote for him because I'm sick and tired of the media. I just won't leave the guy alone. And I started laughing. He's like, dude, it's like every time I turn the TV on, it's like Trump sucks. And I'm just like, I don't care anymore. You're touching vote on, for the guy. You're touching on something that is really, really important. The media right now, one of their one of their narratives is people who supported Trump in 2016 and are not supporting him now. I'm telling you right now, I'm out there every day. I have. I'm sure they exist. I haven't met one. But you know who I have met? A lot of Republicans who did not vote for him in 2016 for whatever reason. They thought, oh, well, he's not sufficiently pro-life, right? I don't know. Yeah. Now they're all on board. Even Democrats who didn't vote for him in 2016 said now they're all on board. All of them. And this, this, is, the, this is the feeling that I get out there on the ground. Um, now, it's not played out in the, in the, in the national media, but it's, it's a reality. Yeah, we're seeing that as well, for sure. I was, was going to try and pull up this poll, but there was something interesting I saw. It's a, a CBS poll snippet that found in this election cycle, 5% of Republicans are going to be voting for Joe Biden. But the last time it was, I think, seven. Before that, it was like seven. So so it, there's actually less Republicans now planning to vote Democrat than we've had in the past, like four presidential elections. So, yeah, I agree. It sounds like what you're saying is, is even backed up by a lot of this data. The other yeah. thing, I, the other thing I wanted to bring up about this, you know, the Pennsylvania area, the Philadelphia area, you're talking about Union Democrats who built this country and all that stuff. Did you see the video footage from Philly when the guys came out to protect Christopher Columbus? Mm -mm. So you, you, you've got Antifa on the far left going around smashing up statues, ripping them down. So a bunch of regular guys show up, a lot of them, I think over a hundred or more, surrounding it. I think I did see this, and they're like, "Get out! We're yeah. not." They, you know, I'm being more polite in the words yeah. I'm using, but they were not as polite. And the city came in the middle of the night, ripped the statue down, even though you had locals saying, we want it, get out of our neighborhood. Philadelphia's Democrat. It's like, it's like some ridiculous number. It's like 80% or something. These guys who are showing up, I can't imagine these union Philly Democrat guys have decided Joe Biden's their man. I, 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 after seeing everything, I, the city came in when they, when they stood to defend their statue from a violent mob, the city came in and said, no, nah, you, you don't get a say in this. How could these people maintain that political party? I, I think that the Democrat Party consistently votes against, you know, unions and well, you know, hardworking, building trades unions guys. They vote against their interests. I think that the union leadership is by and large supporting Joe Biden, uh, but their union members, their rank and file, are not because they see the for they see the truth and. You know, I, I'm going to do everything I can to show up for those people. I'm going to do everything I can to 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 make sure that that I, as as their representative leader, protects their ability to put food on the table for their family. Because I'll tell you right now, you right now in Joe Biden and Connor Lamb and Kamala Harris, they are talking right now. And this is this is the a, a unbelievable economic crisis that we're in. We're facing a once in a hundred year pandemic, you know, and still dealing from the fallout from the lockdowns. Uh, you have a presidential candidate that's talking about raising taxes by $4 trillion when people are having trouble putting food on the table for their family. Guess what? That ain't right, okay? While simultaneously repealing the Trump tax cuts, that 
helped the middle class, even the Washington Times. Now, the Democrats say, well, it's a tax cut for the richest. That's not true. It's not a tax cut for the richest 1%. That is that is fundamentally not true. Look up in the Washington Times. They talk about how the Trump tax cuts helped the middle class. Everybody that you talk to says that the Trump tax cuts helped me, you know? And so you have somebody that's here. You have a presidential candidate saying, I'm going to I'm going to repeal the Trump tax cuts. OK, and now I'm going to raise your taxes. OK. And oh, by the way, we've got AOC and Bernie Sanders in charge of our environmental and energy task force. And we're going <laughs> to like on fracking day one, it's gone or no new fracking um, in in Western Pennsylvania. That's one hundred and seventeen thousand jobs that are supported by the oil and gas industry. People don't want that. That's crazy to me. Oh, what? would you look at this title? Vox writer praises progressive <laughs> for misleading Americans on tax cuts. I love it. I'm pulling up these stories. You're saying it. And I'm like, you're right. Yeah, yep. Let me pull this. up the yeah, source yeah, that backs sure. up like to prove it. So, yeah, yeah, they lied. The, the, the Trump tax cuts. That's what they do. Helped everybody. I, look, I have I, I am going to protect people's Social Security and Medicare. People paid into that their whole life. OK, I've said this a thousand times. There, there's a fundraising email out there that my opponent put out that said, my extreme opponent is going to take your social. Security. I was like, I've, I've never said this. This is just a straight up lie. That's what they do. Dirty games. That's what they do. Look that's, at the, look that's at, why I don't like this. Look at this story. So this is from last year. Vox's Matthew Iglesias. He's oh. a progressive. Praised progressives for misleading Americans on tax cut tax cuts. I don't I don't I think he might have actually deleted the, the tweet. I don't know. Here, he, here's what he said. Nobody likes to give themselves credit for this kind of messaging success. But progressive groups did a really good job of convincing people that Trump raised their taxes when the facts say a clear majority got a tax cut. Oh, I remember that. Of course. It's amazing, isn't it? It is. It is. Man, the media, huh? Well, look, that's why this this is why it's so important. This is why fundraising is so important, because not all the media, but uh, the lion's share of the media flies cover. For Democrat candidates, and I, I, I told you this before, and I'll say it again. And I, Democrats would not win if they did not have the media flying cover for them almost at every turn. Yeah. So that's why fundraising is so important for candidates. Not just about being a dynamic, charismatic candidate. You've got to work your butt off fundraising. And why? Because that's how we run ads. That's how we get our message out. When we sit, when you get those mailers that you probably look at and throw in the trash, <laughs> you look at and throw in the trash. Maybe, maybe you actually read them. I don't know. Or you see commercials on TV. That's fundraising money. The, the candidate right. raised that money to put that commercial on TV. That's why fundraising is so important. And that's why censorship is so important to a lot of these big tech companies and a lot of these leftists. Why they advocate for banning hate speech or things that go against their orthodoxy so that you can't challenge them. Yeah, I mean, I think we should let the American people decide for themselves what they think is abhorrent speech. <laughs> well, they're, 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 these big tech companies are using a loophole to get away with shutting down their opponents through Section 230. Are you, are you familiar? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so look, we, I, I say we, I mean, I was like 10 years old when this bill was, was, <laughs> was passed or whatever. But the idea was we're not going to sue you because a user posted something. Now, we get it. You might have to remove some stuff, but so long as it's in good faith and it's objectionable, we're okay with that. That was the general idea. What do they do? They say, well, conservative opinions, those are objectionable, banned. So there was was a big fiasco over uh, a pro-life advertisements on Facebook. I remember, yeah. Yeah, so I I don't know where, where we ended up with that. I think Facebook may have given in and said, okay, you know, they pushed it too far. But already, some of Trump's biggest supporters have been banned from social media and they're never coming back. 
mm-hmm. the, the, the ability to, to put ads up. I mean, YouTube has a rule right now, and a lot of these rules are arbitrary, but you can't criticize someone for being an immigrant or like immigration status. If you are disparaging to someone or disparaging to immigrants, YouTube, will, they'll shut the stream down in two seconds. They'll, they'll, they'll ban it outright. If you, if you can't have a conversation about these things because someone might get offended by it, then only the left will dominate this space. They'll start gaining ground. Well, they already do. I mean, they already dominate the space. They own it. They own it. But this is, this is interesting. I was talking about this earlier. I think Donald Trump is the Internet's politician, right? So when you, when you have regular people who just watch mainstream media, they have no idea the truth. I mean, look at what this Vox writer this is. The fa- was one of the co-founders of Vox who wrote this. Like Matthew Iglesias is not some random Vox dude. Praising progressives for misleading Americans on the tax break Trump gave them. Trump helped them. And these progressive groups convinced everyone he hurt them. That's the mainstream media. That's big venture capital funded digital outlets funded by NBC, for instance, like Vox. I believe Vox was. And, the, and, and CBS, ABC, NBC, MSNBC, etc. But if you go online, you start digging, you'll find they're lying to you. Like we could pull this up. This is the Washington Free Beacon. And they even admit it. This guy admits it on Twitter. I hear all these stories about people walking away from the Democratic Party. They become Republicans, they vote for Trump, and there's one thing that I find is uniting to all of them is that at some point they didn't understand how Trump could always be bad or how uh, Trump won in the first place. They do, they do a Google search. What do they find? Hey, that wasn't true. And I, I hear all, a lot of similar stories where, where they say something like, they claimed Trump did a thing. I watched the video and he clearly did not do the thing. And then I thought to myself, if he didn't do that, what else didn't he do? Like the good, like the, oh, there are good people on both sides. That's the most yep. recent example where Biden's out there saying that in his convention speech. And it's just a straight up lie. Well, actually, Joe Biden improved his technique. You see, at first he lied when, when he was like, Trump said there are very fine people on both sides. Cutting the context at was a lie, a direct lie, as if Trump was actually saying that. What he did this time was clever. He said, I want you to remember what those people looked like, what they were yelling now I want you to remember what Trump said. Very fine people on both sides. It's a clever game, right? Yeah. He makes you en- envision that, that image of the people with the torches, but Trump wasn't talking about the night with torches. Trump was talking about the next day when the clashes ensued. Trump did not say that anything having to do with the previous night. So he says, I want you to remember. It, it would be like saying, I want you to remember what it was like when you were getting your, you know, your, uh, your root canal the pain, the suffering. And now I want you to remember what Donald Trump said when he ate chocolate ice cream. This is awesome. <laughs> yeah. Like they have nothing to do with each other, but you're trying to make, you're trying to take, apply one quote to a different circumstance. It was, it was a smart way of doing it. It was, it was manipulating people. And I, I know, I noticed this because when I said, you know, uh, I think it was a daily caller commented on the video saying Joe Biden lied. And then uh, someone said the daily caller is lying. So then I responded with the actual image and then someone responded to me saying, Joe Biden didn't lie at all. What he said was factually true. And so I roll my eyes. That's technically correct. What Joe Biden said was literally true. Donald Trump did say very fine people on both sides. And there were a group of people with tiki yeah, but, torches. But context matters. Exactly. I mean, you know, it's, That's it, the manipulation. Well, the, the maybe. The, the, yeah, it, it's a manipulation. It's, it's, but it still doesn't make it true. I mean, the, the president, what his intent was, uh, uh, Joe Biden was saying, is that Donald Trump said there are very fine right, people. Right, right, right. That's what he, he meant. Was, he, so what, what Biden was trying to do was avoid 
getting fact checked because he knows the media is going to be like, well, literally Trump did say these words and literally this thing did happen. Therefore, it's true. When you know what Biden was trying to do, he was trying to connect two unrelated things. Donald Trump said explicitly, I'm not talking about the neo-Nazis, and the white nationalists. They should be condemned totally. That's the part he removed. Of course, that's, that, the, that's, 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 that's what they do. They, they use clever ways to manipulate. One thing I often bring up is, is how they do this fact checking game where they'll say something and, and, and they're, they're probably going to get you on this. They'll say something, you know, like it, there, there'll be a story about you running into a burning building to rescue a box of puppies. And then everyone will be talking about it. And they'll be like, did you hear? He, like, he risked his life. It was like all these puppies and he saved them all. And then he got a photo up. And then Snopes or some fact-checking site will say, did Sean Parnell run into a burning building to save puppies, dot, 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 and then stop to tie his shoe? False. Yeah. Then all the way at the bottom, it'll say, well, he did yeah, save yeah. the puppies. He didn't tie his shoe. Well, that's, I mean, I feel like, I feel like there's, talk about Joe Biden eulogizing Robert Byrd, who is a member of the KKK, right? And, <laughs> yeah. and, and, and literally Kamala Harris called him a, a basically a segregationist, a borderline racist for the last three months of the primary, which is neither here nor there. That's not what I'm trying to say right now. What, what I'm trying to say is that if, if, and you might be able to pull this up right now. I don't know. You're pretty, you're pretty good at this stuff, but if you, fact check was robert bird a grand wizard of the kkk and you fact check it would be like no this is false he was not a grand wizard of the kkk and down below it's like no he's like a universal cyclops of the kkk I'm he like, was a what? supreme or grand wizard. i don't know what any of these things are but that like to yeah, your point yeah, yeah. that's what they do my favorite was the kamala harris fact check because uh it turns out she's got like a great grandfather a great you know whatever who was a slave owner so she's uh, a child of a jamaican and an indian immigrant and people brought up that she has an ancestor, slave owner. And so there's a fact check saying, was Kamala Harris's, it, it was something like, was Kamala Harris's ancestor a slave owner? And was it a dark part of her past? False. And at the bottom, it says, while it is true that she did, did own slaves, <laughs> it's not a dark part of her past. Yeah. Like, it was something like that. That was just like, wait, that's an opinion. That's nothing to do with what they ended up. What this one website did to me was I said, I tweeted, Bill Clinton, a former, I'd say Clinton specifically, I said a former president is in flight logs and now a victim has ID'd him as having been on that awful island, if you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. And I said, journalism is dead. It's just political advocacy. They label it false by adding fake context, claiming that the flight logs I referenced were specifically to the island. I never said that. But this is, this, this is what they do. They will add, sprinkle in some things that have nothing to do with anything so they can claim it's false. Actually, you know, I don't know. I don't know if you know this one. The best fact check ever done on Trump was when in the 2016 debates, he said Hillary Clinton acid washed her server. Did you ever, have you heard this one? Yes. And then NBC ran a fact check saying false. Hillary Clinton did not use a corrosive chemical on her computer. As if any sane American thought yeah. Trump was literally <laughs> imagining Hillary pouring acid out of a glass jar onto a machine. He was saying she erased her hard drives. But it's it's it's. They have to be doing it on purpose. I, I I hope. I think they are. I mean, of course they are. And, but and if, I don't, I, what I don't understand is what 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 has consistently baffled me is what's the end game? It's certainly not truth. It's certainly not being a guard dog of of speaking truth to power. It's certainly not being a watchdog for the people. Right. Uh, it's certainly not to defend freedom. If they ever got the the authoritarian. I mean, the one authoritarian state that they that they want. I mean, my goodness, I can't imagine it would be. I think I don't know if you mentioned this on the show or when, was, when we were talking earlier about projecting. I think, I oh, think yeah, it was before. Yeah, yeah. The Democrat, how what the Democrats project. They, yeah, they yeah. project everything that they do onto the Republicans and just it's accuse, a strategy though. and just accuse us. 
Well, so Republicans of everything that they themselves do. Yes, there's an article in Politico that says the GOP has no goal anymore. It's got no no agenda. They put out no party platform. But it says there's a quote from someone saying all they want to do is, I don't know, post memes and own the libs or or something like that. They want to win and own the libs. And I'm like, that's a projection. I can't look at Democrats and see what they want to do. Like, I, I, are they for universal health care opposed to it? Well, it's a mixed bag, right? And that's, it's, it's okay if they disagree. Sure. But what, do, what does everything they do lead to? Just winning. That's it. That's what, exactly what, what, right. what is burning a building? Like you mentioned this earlier. We were unified. Rush Limbaugh, Tucker Carlson, Hannity all came out saying, like, you know, conservative guys, what happened to George Floyd was awful. Mm-hmm. It was not okay. So everyone's unified. You think that would have been a great moment for this country. What do they do? They go burn down buildings. Why? Because they're not trying to do anything other than get you. They don't. They, they, when they finally, it's the, it's the Joker, right? Have you seen, have you, you've watched the movie yes, The Dark some, Knight? Some men just want to see the world burn. Even better when he says, "I'm like a, a dog chasing a car. I wouldn't know what to do if I ever if I caught, caught one. one." Yeah. And that's exactly what's happening. So it's like there it is. It was I. I think it was Andrew Cuomo. He was like, "You did it. You won. What do you want?" I, I don't want anything. I want to be mad. And they, you want to go? They just want to exert power over other people. Yeah, and so this, this to me is, I, I think, why it's so important for Republicans to take back control of the House. Because, you know, President Trump in, in two years, I mean, it wasn't perfect. Uh, Republicans didn't get to pass all the agenda items that they wanted. Uh, but they were doing a lot of great stuff. And then 2018 came along. This is right around the time where the... the the Russia hoax and the Mueller probe was kicking off and, um, you know, Democrats took back control of the House and progress in this country. And I that's a loaded word. And I, I don't mean it in the way that, you know, but 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 the work on behalf of the people in this country ground to a halt and two years. It was just nothing but impeaching the president. That was all. It's it's, it's true. But I mean, in 2016, Republicans had everything. I know. And, and a lot of them were giving in to the Russiagate stuff. It, you know? it was disappointing. It yeah. was it was disappointing. The, it, it was it was it was disappointing to me that 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 the Republicans seemed to not not on everything, but they seemed to squander the the majority. That's why you know when I when I talk about the 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 establishment Republican and Democrats, I'm not fans of either. You know, Donald Trump wanted to pull our troops out of Afghanistan, and it was eight Republicans and three Democrats who supported him in that. And I'm not surprised that you have still unity among both parties in opposition to things Trump, Trump is trying to do. But I think, unsurprisingly, it was, it was, it was Matt Gates who joined in supporting the president in his efforts to withdraw our, our forces. But I think there's very few Republicans, there's like a new wave, you know, that are coming in that are different from the way I remember Republicans, the way the Republican Party used to be. I think a lot of this has to do with Trump. And whatever it is, it's a bigger tent, like you mentioned, it's, 100%. it's more welcoming to traditional liberals. I mean, I'm I am more worried. You know, people I, I, I talk. I'm talking to a friend of mine. She made a post saying, you know, hey, everybody. She's a good friend of mine. Known her for a really, 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 really long time. Like one of my best friends. Everybody vote. You know, everybody donate to Joe Biden. And I commented, Joe Biden was part of the Obama administration and they carried out a whole bunch of you know foreign policy decisions I, I do not like. They, there were extrajudicial assassinations. There was indefinite detention provision. All of these things that I think are horrible for this country. The Espionage Act used against whistleblowers and journalists. I'm not going to vote for someone from the Obama administration. And then people started making jokes about swapping out Biden for Cuomo or whatever. And I was like, no, I'm probably going to vote for Trump. And they were like, <gasps> they gasped. No, 
you know, she, she, so she was asked, like, how, how could that possibly be? And I said, because they just voted to repeal the civil rights law in California. Because they, 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 they're marching around and they're, whole, they're screaming in people's faces, salute us or else. You, burn- you had Democrats lining up for miles, you know, three years before President Trump ran on the Republican ticket just to get into the guys' parties. Yep. Right. You had guys like Jesse, Jesse Jackson and Al Sharpton celebrated President Trump and what he did for the African-American community in this country. And now all of a sudden, President Trump is demonized. Oh, he's a racist. Of course, that's, that's what they do. That's what the left does. Again, we talked about this, the politics of personal destruction. They have nothing else. Uh, but you know, President Trump, just because he run, he runs as a Republican, he's, he's demonized. He's hated. He's the enemy. And he's, and, a, he's moderate. And, and oh, my God, that is that is the truth. That is the truth. And I will tell you that President Trump, he wants the best for everyone. He does not get a fair shake in the media. This is, no this, this, this is a guy that truly does believe of diversity of thought in the Republican Party. He, he will listen to every perspective that's out there. Yet he's demonized as, as some sort of like draconian knuckle dragger. Or people talk, well, I don't like the way that he, that he comports himself. And I say... How many conversations with a construction worker have you had in your life? President Trump came up in the New York City construction trade. That's a tough business. You know, it's tough as nails. You know, sometimes people in that business lack tact. It's just how it is. I was in the infantry. Believe me, I know that's how it goes. And so just I ask people like, understand that, you know, when when you're looking at when you're looking at how President Trump interacts with people. I mean, does he always say the perfect thing? No, but the guy loves this country. He loves and appreciates all of this, all of her, all of America's people. He does. I know it. I've seen it. And so um, I've never, I've never seen somebody resist group think like President Trump. And I appreciate that. I think it might have something to do with ego. Maybe, maybe a little. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. He knows. He's always struck me as the kind of guy who's sitting there thinking, like, I know what needs to be done. You have no idea what you're talking about. Look, you know, he, and that's, that's why his name's in big gold letters on buildings around the planet, <laughs> all over the world. He's, he's and, and, and I, can, uh, I can understand this. I've been in situations where I've worked a bunch of companies. I'll tell you what, I've worked at these media companies, and I have told them, every, I, I worked for basically just two different companies. I worked for Vice, I worked for Fusion, which was ABC News and Univision. And every time, there's just countless stories of the meetings I'd have where I'd say, here's what you need to do to make it work. And they'd be like, I don't know. I don't want to do that. And so ultimately I said, I'm going to do my own thing because I'm tired of dealing with other people who don't understand what I'm trying to tell them and can't make it work, but I can. And I feel like Trump probably does that. And so what happens is when someone comes to him and says, hey, I got this idea, he goes, no. He's very, very full of himself. Now, I think he did make some mistakes early on with some of the people he hired and that backfired on him. Now they're all writing books about him and things like that. Well, that's, you know, what bureaucracies do best is preserve themselves yeah and so you know people that have worked in president trump's administration that that have been in washington for a long time tim you know they preserve their usefulness by saying ah you know i didn't support president trump and and in the hopes that maybe they'll be able to get a job down the line i never i never i never i never supported him in the first place see here's my book let me make a couple bucks until the next administration comes along and maybe i'll get hired again and this this is what bureaucracies do bureaucracies protect themselves first But, but, but you know it's 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 not even bureaucracy look at look at scaramucci cohen 
These people are like, I'm going to write a book and I'm going to sell it. Bolton, I'm going to write a book. So it scares me that we have a political faction in this country that not, not all of them, I think a lot of them maybe just aren't paying attention, but a lot of the thought leaders are trying to score a buck. Quick buck. How, what, what, do I, what, what, what do I got to say to get elected? I'll say whatever I got to say. Just give me the keys to the castle. I mean, have you realized that that's like the polar opposite of how I am, right? Well, that's, I mean, what, I, that's why I want well, to talk to you because I think that's it's true. It's not easy running like this. I mean, <laughs> you talk about taking things out of context. I mean, you know, I've gone on comedy shows in the past making tongue-in-cheek jokes with stand-up comedians and they're being taken out of context and, oh, I hate women and that's not the case. It's it, like, listen, watch the whole clip. Decide for yourself, you know? Don't listen to what, uh, you know, some of the some of the the journalists and I certainly use that term loosely. Uh, don't listen to what the journalists say. Watch the clips yep. on your own. Well, this is this is this is the left in a in a, in a nutshell. Are you, are you familiar with the story of Count Dankula? No. So he's a he's a comedian in the UK, and they got it way worse than we do. They don't they don't have free speech the same way. He made a he made a joke video. He was he was a nobody. He was a regular regular dude, working class guy. Actually, was a used to be a commie, and he made a joke video where he had he taught his 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 girlfriend's pug to do the, the Nazi salute. The joke was the, do- the dog was the cutest thing in the world, so he wanted to make it the most disgusting thing imaginable by teaching it to react to horrible things. He had like eight subscribers. He was not a personality. He made a joke video. They arrested him for it. He, got, he, got, he went to jail. He got convicted, and he had to pay a fine. That's ultimately how it turned out. They ended up taking the money from him. But this is an extreme example. What We, we see this kind of stuff in the U.K., over here, it's similar, but we do have free speech. It's all about power, cr- stomping on people, destroying them, owning them, gaining power by any means necessary. They will take anything you say and they will lie about it. They will manipulate it. Because I guess it gives them attention. I honestly don't understand. I don't know, but I'll tell you, that's why, that's, that's why I was afraid to get in this. Um, I mean, it really was. You know, I've been in some of the I've been in life and death situations hundreds of times in Afghanistan, but I was afraid to get in this because I've got... I've got three small kids, you know, and I don't want them to have to go to school every day and deal with the, the BS lies that are thrown around. I don't want them to have to deal with the politics of personal destruction. I don't want my kids to, I mean, I mean, I, I keep coming back to this, but look what they did to Brett Kavanaugh. They tried to ruin that man's life and nothing of That's, what they said was true. But it not was e- all a lie. Every bit of it was a lie. But at the same time, this country is worth it. You know, the people that live in this country are worth it and, and it's worth fighting for. And if good people don't rise up to fight for this country to ensure the next generation has a country that's that's rich with opportunity, we won't survive. So let's uh, you, you, you want to talk about Afghanistan? I can talk about Afghanistan. Donald Trump in his second term agenda said he wants to put an end to these endless wars. And he's already tried to bring our troops back. And for me, that's why I supported Tulsi Gabbard early, earlier. Now I think the Democrats, they've got nothing to offer. I'm not convinced Joe Biden would, would do anything in this capacity. I'm curious what your thoughts on that is. Would you, do, you, do you support the president in terms of getting our troops out of Iraq and Afghanistan? That, that's a complicated question. Um, I think right now I'm at the point where we need to bring our people home. But allow me to answer with context. It's a tough decision. It's, it's a conundrum for a litany of reasons. Uh, we went over there to Afghanistan. Our mission was to find bin Laden, close with and destroy the enemy. But part of what we did was take care of the people. We made them a promise. And we saw the Afghan people come out of the woodwork to fight for their freedom. I mean, little kids, little boys come on the base, work on our base during the day with their dads. Little kids go to school, girls' schools that we built. We built wells and villages, and we brought food and water and 
taught little girls how to read and little boys how to we taught them trades i mean a lot of what we did was humanitarian work over there and you know afghan patriots came out of the woodwork to fight for the freedom of their country and i and i realize and i know and you need to trust me on this we pull out of that country in three months every one of them people are hanging by hanging by uh, by a light post i guarantee it every man woman and child that supported americans in that country is dead in three months wow and that scares the crap out of me and it, it makes me wonder you know do do we look it's complicated right like our promise as as the americans our promise would mean something to our allies so i recognize that okay uh so a humanitarian crisis could ensue in afghanistan if we pull out right on the other side is that as a commander-in-chief, we have a duty and obligation to America's sons and daughters who suit up and go over there and go to war and risk their life for everything. And my issue with the Afghan war right now is that if you asked, you went over there right now, and we picked up this podcast and we just interviewed you know, 10 different American privates from different units that have never communicated together ever. What's, the, what's your mission right now? You'd get a different answer from all of them. And that's a real problem. Wow. Because when you don't know and understand what the mission is, it, it, you don't understand what the mission is when you're out there beyond the wire, you're hesitant. And those seconds hesitation can be the difference between life and death. And so we have a duty and obligation to make sure that our people know what the mission is, know what the end state is, uh, you know, end state operations, know what victory looks like if it, if it can be clearly defined. And right now, I don't think we have that. So what, what I would propose in Afghanistan is you can do more in that country with far less. Now, in 2006, we had one brigade, like roughly eight plus thousand war fighters, right? Now, supported by, by more, but it, it, for all of what they call RC East in Afghanistan, Regional Command East, that's the, high, that's the entire border region. And we took the fight to the enemy in a way in 2006 to where in 2007 we were getting intelligence from the front that the pakistani taliban were broken al-qaeda was decimated hekmadir haqqani network groups uh terrorist islamic factions on the border they were broken their will to fight was done we were just killing too many of their sons they just didn't want to commit their sons to the wow. fight that was it and look this might sound harsh but you you kill the enemy you secure the people you know, the people of Afghanistan were starting to enjoy a level of peace and prosperity that they never thought possible in their country. And then pre then, then President Obama was elected. Uh, well, even, you know, maybe even truthfully, just before that, uh, when President Bush was still president, we shifted our strategy from counterterror, which was finding the bad guys and killing them, to counterinsurgency, which is let's get U.S. soldiers in every village to make sure that they can build a rapport with the people. And so we started building combat outposts. And you see... Uh, you know, you've seen the movie The Outpost, and we we put them in. Uh, we built the very first combat outpost in a place called Combat Outpost Marga, which is right on the border in a horrible location, horrible tactical location, hills surrounding all uh, hills surrounding it. And at the tail end of our deployment, that base was attacked by over 300 enemy fighters. Now we knew that they were coming. We we caught them, and we ended up killing every single one of them. But every year after that, every single year after that, an American combat outpost was attacked and nearly overrun. In some cases, they were overrun. When we shifted our strategy from counterterror to counterinsurgency, we lost the initiative in Afghanistan because we spread what we call, we spread our combat power out too thinly on the border. So most of these combat outposts, yes, they were among the villagers, but we didn't have the manpower to both occupy the bases and patrol off offensively. So we just, what does that mean? We just sat there, 
right? Occupied the bases and just got attacked. And because of that, the enemy was able to penetrate from Pakistan into the heart of Afghanistan. Now the enemy's all over. And so I, Afghanistan's a tough situation now. Now, where, where do I fall? So, so what would I do? I, I would shift our mission set right now from counterinsurgency, which I think this president has already done, to counterterror and make sure that we're going after the worst of the worst, right? Let's keep them guessing. Let's keep the enemy guessing. Let's make never feel comfortable. Make them move from one cave to the next, right? Why? Because the whole reason we went in there was to keep that country from becoming a petri dish for terrorists from which they can mm. launch attacks against the United States or any one of our allies. So you can do that with, you know, a couple of special forces teams, a SEAL team, Delta. You've got a Ranger battalion or maybe a couple of infantry battalions for force protection. What that means is like they're just they'll discard the base or they'll do outer cordons for kinetic strikes. And when you do that, you afford the Afghan government the ability to project strength and you know safely secure and govern its people and so you can do that with a lot less money uh and the strategy would be a lot more effective and it's kind of the middle of the road right we pull all our troops out which would be a humanitarian crisis we leave all our troops in the mission is muddied we don't really we don't really have the initiative it's a mess yeah we keep a small group there to target the worst of the worst we allow the afghan government to extend its reach and while Maybe maybe we help the Afghan National Army a little bit while we're there to help them safely help them secure their people as well. In 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 Iraq, I think we only have like what five hundred. Yeah, we our, our footprint in Iraq is far smaller. Although I do think we've got a, a plussed up presence of special forces troops there. Yeah, what do you what do you, what do you think about you know we've got all these military bases all over the place, particularly in Europe. Donald Trump was threatening to pull our troops out of Germany. You know, I, I just what's your general? I, I want to hear from somebody who's actually got experience. You know. I was in Germany. Uh, it's, ama- it's an amazing duty assignment, and my experience with the German people is they love they love the Americans. They like that we were there. Um, well, are they paying their fair share for the, the you know GDP <laughs> for our? Well, well, yeah. Well, I mean, look, I, I, let's let's be. I mean, the American bases in Germany are, are an, a tremendous economic boost for that country. Uh, mm. But the German people, I think, also appreciate the fact that we're there for them, and. Um, you know, we've had a longstanding relationship with Germany. They're one of our main allies in the region. Uh, but, it, it, but as our president would say, they're not they're certainly not paying their fair share. Yeah. And so I have, I have I have less of an issue with, you know, the U.S. having military bases in allied countries, particularly Germany or whatever. If they're not paying and we're providing security, I, I do think it's particularly funny when it comes to a lot of these left wing arguments about socialism. The first thing is they think European countries are socialist when they're not. They're just welfare states with, you know, capitalist economy. But they also don't realize that, for instance, Sweden is, one, I believe, uh, one of the largest weapons exporters per capita. So they make a ton of money shipping out weapons. They can use that to pay for social benefits. And then you have many of these European nations which have security provided for or at least bolstered by U.S. forces. And they're not paying their, 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 their targeted GDP into it. So we're fronting that cost. This is why I appreciate President Trump. Because he challenges the status quo, and ultimately he challenges us to think differently. You know, President Trump brings a different thought process to issues to where, you know, look, both the Washington establishment, both Republicans and Democrats over the years have become sort of set in their ways. We elected President Trump to disrupt that. And that's what he oh, does. Yeah. And, 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 and I think that that's why, you know, God bless a lot of these generals, and I thank him for their service. General Mattis is somebody that I admire uh, greatly. But I don't understand why the life of me, why he went after President Trump the way that he did. I don't get it uh, because 
you know, just because what the the president is proposing that we simply think differently. That's all he's asking. And 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 look, I, I'm on board with let's get our men and women home from Afghanistan. I told you that. I think that there's probably a middle a safe middle ground. Yeah. Right. And I've articulated that. But I'm on board with it. Why? Because we've done the same thing for generations, and I'm willing to try something different. Yeah. I'm not, I wouldn't go as hard as there's a lot of people who say, get our troops out immediately. It's on America's place. We shouldn't have been in there in the first place. It's just not, a, it's just not, it's not the world that we live in, you know? I mean, I mean, maybe you can make that argument for someplace like Germany. Right. But not Afghanistan. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think, I mean, look, look, okay, so here's a good example of this, Tim. Look what happened in Iraq when President Obama pulled our troops out before we were ready. That gave rise to ISIS, that, that leadership vacuum. We pulled out of that country before strategically we were ready. Right to leave, and that created ISIS, and ISIS rampaged across the Middle East. And look at what well, look what look what uh, President Obama did to the Middle East. They all they did was depose autocrats, you know, from Libya to Syria, all right. all over. And all what what did that do to the Middle East? It just sent the entire. It was a powder. It's a powder keg over there. And and President Trump, by and large, is 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 dealing with that now. Now, and the reason why I'm saying all this is look at how President Obama left the Middle East. It was slavery. Yeah. ISIS was at its height of power. The caliphate had thousands of miles of geographic territory. They had physical bases. ISIS is utterly decimated. Okay. And there's a Middle East peace deal that was just broken. How (laughs) often have you heard? I mean, I I never (laughs) thought that I'd see that in my life. That's an unbelievable. And they they still came after him for it. What is (laughs) this? This could be a precursor to peace in the Middle East in our time. And have you heard about it on the news? This should be round-the-clock coverage for a month, but you don't hear. Now, think about it. Think about how the Middle East was when when there was a transfer of power from President Obama to President Trump. I mean, in three short years, this president was able to negotiate a Middle East peace deal in which other Arab countries are now jumping on board. Yep. Why? Why? Do you want to know why? I'll give you a guess, and I'll answer it for you. Uh, do you know why? Because they all opposed the Iranian nuclear deal. Yeah. They all opposed empowering our enemy. I, you could look up op-eds. I wrote about this before I was even running for political office. The Iranian nuclear deal was an absolute disaster. It empowered the number one state sponsor of terror in the world. And every Middle Eastern country hated it. And so President Trump, because he opposed that and sought to broker peace deals between Israel and other Arab countries. Look, we've got we we are on we are on the precipice of an historic peace agreement in the Middle East. I'm telling you, I never thought I'd see it in my lifetime, but this president was able to do it. And so this is why I say, let's just work with the guy. I mean, my God, we don't always have to agree, but let's just work with the guy. Could it be that peace is the problem for them? I just money to expand on expand money, on the question. Money to be made in war. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, that's that's like a that's like a you know the military industrial complex. There's that whole concept of beware the military industrial complex. There's probably some wisdom to that. I think that we can you know from you know with regards to looking at the Pentagon and figuring out ways that we can tighten our belts there and spend more efficiently. There's a lot of fraud, waste, and abuse at the Pentagon, especially with contract procurement processes and stuff like that. We can do better. If you look at the the Raptor, what the F thirty five project? That's a trillion dollar. I don't know. I mean, oh God, don't quote me on the numbers. There's gonna be somebody out there fact checking me on the numbers after this. But it's <laughs> it's a it's a multi billion dollar project that could have been a lot cheaper. It could have been done yeah. a lot a lot more, for a lot less money in a more efficient way. I think we can look at that. But I, I personally, I, I I am a big believer in peace through strength. What do you how do you feel about like uh, what happened with Libya? No fly zones, airstrikes. 
uh, Libya, like you're talking about the posing of Gaddafi. Yeah, from, yeah, yeah. Oh, I thought that we what came, happened. we came, we no, saw I, he I, died. I thought that was horrible. And now, I thought now that, that and, and the Libyan people will tell you that as well. Yeah, I mean, Muammar Gaddafi was a terrible human being, but he was somebody that was willing to work with the United States of America. And sometimes, look, when you taught, when you're looking at diplomacy, you know, you know, when I was 24 years old leading an infantry platoon in Afghanistan, I've got a rifle across my lap and I'm talking to somebody who I know is a warlord, who I know a week from now is going to be shooting at me in some ditch, <laughs> might even kill me, but I'm, I got to work with him anyway. Because guess what? That's the world that we live in. I mean, there's yep. that there's that line from the Avengers. Like we 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 don't see the world as we want it to be. We see the world as it is. Nick Fury said it in a lot sexier way than I did, but it's the truth, right? We deal with the world as it is, not as there we go. We deal with the world as it is, not as not as how we'd like yeah. it to be. You know, and I, I God, think no, nobody had faith in president. This is what bothered me. President Trump has consistently defied the odds. He's consistently done things. I mean, look, look, this, there has not been a president in our White House that has been savaged as badly as President Trump, except President Lincoln. <laughs> I know he said it, too. Well, I, yeah. You know what? Did he say that? I don't even know. I'm, 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 you're going to have your people. Oh, he's just parroting Trump talking points. I don't oh, no, know what I mean. I'm well, just no, saying like it's. I, but it's, it's the, it's the tr he's, he's the most maligned man in the White House, yep. yet he consistently advances. He advances the agenda of freedom. And, you know, I. I I don't understand, you know, I don't understand why people aren't willing to give this man a chance. I, I he he's a fighter. He cares about the people. It could be social media induced derangement that people have formed extremist tribes. They've polarized. There's no middle and Trump must be bad. That's that's why I, that's why the, the theme of my speech last night was trying to bring people together, trying to say it doesn't matter where you come from it doesn't matter who you love it doesn't matter what color your skin is it doesn't matter your gender St stand with us fight but, for this country but they think that's racist they think you have to in fact there's a quote from one of these authors these 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 you know oh, great leftist i'm already sexist the next thing right. next the next the next thing's going to be is sean's a racist you watch <laughs> they, they there's a guy who straight up says the only cure for past discrimination is more discrimination they 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 oh, they're goodness. absolutely saying they must, and so when you, you, you consider yourself, consider yourself a conservative, I'd imagine. Yeah, I'm, I'm conservative. I'm, yeah, I'm I'm uh, I've always when I was younger, I was far left. You know, I was anarcho, punk, skateboarding, rock. I listened to stuff. punk rock growing up, and then but I, I, I didn't turn out a radical leftist. Well, you became a regular guy, I suppose. <laughs> you, you you like look, you get a job, you pay taxes, you have a family, you start to understand why things are the way they are. More importantly. You know, you're, all these things you're talking about, especially the, the uh, Afghanistan stuff, because I've always been very much like, I think Trump is right to, to bring our troops out, but you made a really good point I hadn't considered before, because I, 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 I haven't heard it uh, straight to my face. I've heard Dan Crenshaw talk about some of this stuff, and so I, I certainly respect, you know, the people who have actually been there to tell me, here's what happens if we just up and leave. So I, I, I respect you're saying there's a middle ground, but what you've experienced is the, wor the world as it is, as you were saying, right? Think about all of these stories. I don't know if you've seen these stories where young people are like, I'm going to go hiking in the hills of Morocco. Oh, and then, I have. Yeah, and they end up getting kidnapped and, and taken hostage. Of, like, worse you know, than that. Oh, they're going to go hiking through the Iranian mountains or something. Oh. They're like hostages. It's tra <laughs> I know, it's tragic. Yeah. And, and so, so this, man, I remember this one story where these people were riding their bikes through Tajikistan. And a, a nice a vehicle pulled over, like yelling ISIS stuff, I guess, and just lopped their heads off right there. I've been around, I've been around the world not to uh, places as dangerous as you've been. 
But I've been in many places. I was in Egypt when the revolution happened, and I've seen what happens when there's no stability, and it's scary. I agree. I, I was looking down from the balcony of the Hilton in Egypt, watching people shoot at each other, and I was just like, I wonder if I'm going to be able to get out of this place. Because I was there as a reporter. I'm watching the APCs roll through. People are screaming and cheering. The fighting broke up. We got out immediately, and then they shut all the bridges down. I come back to this country, and as somebody who grew up on the left, who was always complaining about America and these, these unjust wars and, ever, and all this stuff, and I'm like, man, America, imperialism, I'm all young. <laughs> I, I, I got older. And, and so when I, was, when I was in Egypt and stuff, I wasn't that dumb. But when I was like you know, 17 writing music and stuff, when I come back from some of these countries, I remember walking up to uh, you know, the immigration checkpoint just one, I can't remember exactly when it was, but I'd been to a bunch of these different countries. And the guy starts looking through my passport, and he's like, it's like, what are all these? He's like, a bunch of Arabic stuff. And I started laughing, and I'm like, I am so happy to be back in America, dude. Yeah. You have no idea. <laughs> and he laughed, and he's like, all right, all right. And he, he's like, what do you do? I was like, I'm a journalist. And he's like, I hear you. And then I just like, there's, there's kids. They grew up in this country. They're in cities. They go to colleges. They're pampered. They're protected. They have no idea. They have no idea that we live in this bubble. It's like a walled city. United States, where it's just, we've got our crime. We've got an increase in crime. We've got the lockdown. We've got our problems. But man, I, I, I'm sure you could, t- you could say it better than I could. Well, Com- I mean, that's, 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 the, that's the double-edged sword of living in the best country and the most free society on the face of the planet, where, where, we, where if, if, if we live in a free society, right, generations of which have lived in a free society, most of the time when you're a parent and you've got kids, your goal, once you have those kids, if you're a good mother or father, is to say, you know what? I just want to make sure that the country that they, ha- they inherit is better than the one that I have. And so every generation, our country gets a little better, a little better, a little better. And so we've got a lot of people in this country, uh, you know, when you've got only 0.4% of the people who've served who go out and defend freedom on a day-to-day basis, everybody else just sort of enjoys the trappings and blessings of living in a free society which can afford them views that are inherently in some cases the antithesis of being in a free society yep. right and um you know it, uh, it, it's it's a conundrum you know it's it's funny i i, I, I mention this kind of often I, I i like to offer up to my progressive friends an opportunity to go anywhere in the world it's a dream come true F- name one of your causes that you're so you know uh, enthusiastic about and i will see to it you get there and we'll get you a good guide and they're gone in two seconds because when they, you know, uh, I was talking to one guy who was complaining about Gaza and, and Israel and all that stuff. And I was like, how would you like to go there? Wait, what? Yeah, I, how would you like to have a flight? Because we can film it. We can make it a thing like your experience. You're this activist. You talk about this all the time. How would you like to be there? Gone. Two seconds. I got friends talking like, about. Like, wait, he go, they go in two seconds or they're like, I no, don't want to No, no, no. Go. Like, they're, they're just stop talking. Yeah. Just <laughs> and me, conversation's over. I'm not going there. Are you crazy? I, got, I, I, have, some, I have this one friend who's uh, uh, I've known for a really long time. Preaching up a storm about Black Lives Matter lives in Chicago. I grew up in Chicago. They know what Chicago is like. And so I'm like, this dude lives in the suburbs. I said, I'll tell you what, I will hire you to produce a video. I want you to go. I want you to. I'm not going to name the neighborhoods in Chicago because I don't want to offend anybody, but they got some neighborhoods in Chicago, man. Yeah, you're not going to survive. And I'm not even kidding. There's, there's gang initiations where they literally just kill random people. Now, if you're the wrong race walking in, one, in, 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 in a dangerous gang territory, you could find yourself seriously hurt. That's, that's in America. They call it Chirac for a reason. I start talking to some of my friends about all of their preaching, and I said, would you like to go and do interviews? And they shut up immediately because what bothers me the most about a lot of these activists who preach all the stuff, the people I know in Chicago know exactly what Chicago is like. There's rampant racism across the board between all races. There's gang violence. There's crime. It is not some 
you know, it's not an oppressive patriarchy or whatever. The cops aren't going around, you know, going and like trying to just randomly kill people. <laughs> it's all, all like the penguin in, in Batman. Or exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, look, I, Chicago's had its problem with with corrupt government officials and police. Sure. Yeah. But, you know, this goes for the cops everywhere in the country. They're not going out being like, oh, I hope today I'm going to kill somebody. Like, that's the last thing they want to do. It's scary. No, it's Man. true. And but there's these people like to preach all this stuff. I see these memes they post, like a tweet from somebody saying like the police are a death squad that goes around hunting people down. And I'm like, how'd you like to go to a police department, sit down and talk to one of these guys? Gone. They don't want to do it. And I'm like, that's not even dangerous. It's true. Let, let alone go to any of these neighborhoods. Yeah, they most, don't want to do it either. Like it goes without saying that 99.9 percent of cops are good. Nobody dislikes bad cops more than good cops, right? right. And you go and talk to these people, and I, I love the police in my community. You know, I, I, I support them because I know how tough the job is, man. I mean, you're making split-second life-and-death decisions. These people wake up every day. They put a gun on their hip, a badge on their chest, and they don't know if they're coming home. And I'm sorry. There's something noble in that. Yeah. And it's an imperfect job. It's really difficult. Um, do they always make the right decisions? Absolutely not. But, you know, I, I, I love and appreciate the police, and I talk to them. When I go to their departments and I talk to them, they will tell you that, you know, some of the some of the worst areas of crime in, in their communities, they like to go to the best because they want those kids to have a shot. They care. They yep. and so I, when I see this this crazy defund the police stuff, it just makes me hurt for the police and for the the communities that would be affected by it. It's just not right, and it's all in the service of what. A political agenda being pushed by the Democrats that's 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 not. And, and by the way, well, Joe Biden doesn't want to defund the police. He just wants to redirect their funding. Again, a clever <laughs> manipulation. I'm like, like, you know, you watch the the, the interview with Chris Wallace and, and President Trump and Chris Wallace is pressing President Trump as he should. Journalists should should press political officials. Right. But, well, Joe Biden doesn't want to defund the police. And Trump's like, yes, he does. Well, no, he doesn't. He said he, he just wants to redirect their funds. And I'm thinking like. Chris, if I redirected funds from your paycheck and gave it to another anchor, would you feel like you were defunded? This is really funny because Joe Biden's running full speed as far away from that as he he can now. Absolutely is. Yes. So at the time, Brookings, the Brookings Institute specifically said, what does defund the police mean? It doesn't mean abolishing the police. It just means reallocating funds to other programs. So when Joe Biden was asked, do you support reallocating funds from police to other programs? He goes, yes, "Yes, absolutely. Remember, yes. But now he's like, so here's what's really funny. I think the fact checkers should clarify that he, 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 he backed off that very, very quickly. And now he's absolutely trying to be like, I'm going to, I'm going to give him funding. I'm going to give no, him funding. It's okay. So let's just, the next issue, natural gas, fracking. He is routine. You can pull it up right here. A thousand different quotes of Joe Biden in the primary. Are you willing to sacrifice some of that blue collar growth? If it means putting, you know, tens of thousands, maybe even hundred thousands of blue collar workers out of a job. What is Joe Biden's? At? The answer is yes. Well, and but but if you talk to the media, well, Joe Biden doesn't want to ban fracking. I'm like, but are you are you just saying what he's saying because he's saying it now, or right. are you actually listening? Just because he's saying it now doesn't mean that it's true. Look well, look so, at the things that he said in the past. Here's the important thing about the whole defund the police conversation. I'm looking at these stories and they're doing a fact check. Did Joe Biden and, and they say, well, while Joe Biden did say he was talking about reallocating funds, his larger platform, I don't care about his larger platform. You know why? Because if Joe Biden's going to sit down with an activist and tell them whatever they want to hear, I don't know what he's talking about. I don't know what he wants to do. 
when Donald Trump's like, I'm going to build a big, beautiful wall from sea to shining sea, yeah, 30 feet it. concrete. And then he actually prototyped it. I'm like, this dude's nuts. Yeah. <laughs> and then, and then what happened? But this is actually really funny. So Trump ends up settling for, you know, bollard fencing in select areas, reinforcing key areas, and they mock him for it. And I'm like, but it was because he consulted with the actual immigration experts who said, we need to be able to see through it. And he went, oh, so we can't do concrete. No, we need to see on the other side. Oh, okay. And, and what did they do? They reinforced the key areas because of budgeting issues. They, they reduced a lot of the trafficking and smuggling. He got what he wanted done. I believe Trump that he really wanted to do it. I think he really wanted a big concrete wall. When I hear Joe Biden, he's, he, what did he say? He's like moratorium on deportations, decriminalized border crossings. He's back and forth 50 million Taxpayer times. Taxpayer subsidies, health care for, for illegal immigrants. And by the way, I just want to put this to rest right now. I want people to come to this country. Legal immigration is great. But, you know, th- what liberals do is they conflate. They try to make Republicans exactly. as if we're anti-immigrant. They conflate illegal immigration with legal immigration. It's not true. We want diversity here in this country, right? We want unity through that diversity. We just want a structure that people can use to come here legally and safely. Because right now, there is a tidal wave of human suffering at the southern border. You want to send you know, one of your liberal journalist friends on a trip? Send them down there. They won't do it. Well, I mean, you know. It's, 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 look, uh, I, D- Donald Trump gave a speech years ago where he was like, you see what's going on last night in Sweden? It's crazy, blah, blah, blah. And it became this you huge do a pretty good Trump. Do you, do you, you do a pretty good Trump. You should throw yourself into it completely. <laughs> I do sometimes. I can, I can do some pretty good impersonations across the board. Yeah, can, Across the board? Yeah, 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 really? yeah, totally. I could do a really good Gollum from Lord of the Rings, too. <laughs> anyway, the, 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 the point is, he said last night in Sweden, this became a huge news story where they're like, you know, what happened in Sweden? Nothing happened in Sweden. What Trump meant was last night on Fox News, they did this documentary on Sweden. And so he's just speaking off the cuff. He's speaking really quickly. And they take everything he says literally. So I decided I'm going to go to Sweden. So me and a friend, my friend Emily, who is now doing a lot of the the SCNR reporting from one of my other uh, companies, we decided let's fly to Sweden and let's go around and film and interview people and see if it's really as bad as many of these people are saying. We I ended up getting inundated with a bunch of leftist journalists saying, don't do it. Don't go. We ended I ended up raising like eight grand in a day because a bunch of conservatives were like go do it we want to see a journalist actually go and cover it because i was like i'll, I'll go I'll, I'll totally go i'll uh, cover what explain help sweden me. just like this idea that there was this idea that immigration had caused rampant crime in sweden and oh, asylum yes refugees. yeah oh right right got yeah. it got it i understand so i was like i'll go check it out right i ended up raising a, a a total like at the end of the whole trip like 20 grand or something throughout the trip people were donating but i got all these leftist journalists dming me people i used to work with saying don't do it don't go i had i used to work for vice right Vice would go on the ground in these countries. They got a, Vice published a documentary from ISIS territory. And I got guys from Vice hitting me up saying, Tim, don't go to Sweden. And I'm like, what, what, what do you mean? Like, this is what, I, I literally worked with you guys like uh, two years ago. We used to do this all the time. I'm doing literally what we always do. No, don't do it. It's a lie. These journalists not only don't want to go there, they want to stop other people from going there. They don't want you to go there and film the truth and say, here's what's happening on the southern border. They want the narrative that they can use. I don't know why. Because I, I can't imagine they're gaining anything from it. It's like a feel-good tribal thing, I guess. Well, I, here's here's the thing. So this is – I talked to some of the union leadership. I feel like I was the first Republican to show up to the union, you know, AFL-CIO board, you know, got the, the building trades there and uh, the government union guys and the AFL-CIO board. And that's what I tried to explain – uh, to a lot of the building trades guys is that not only does illegal immigration undercut your wages and make it more difficult for you to find a job, 
what the PRO Act does, if you look at the PRO Act, which is a, 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 a you hear Joe Biden and Connor Lamb talk about it all the time, it's going to be the future, future of, of union membership here in this country. Well, the PRO Act affords union protection to illegal immigrants. Wow. So every, you know, the lion's share of economic experts in this country will say that the PRO Act be a wet blanket on the economy, right? Um, while simultaneously flooding union halls with illegal immigrants that are all of a sudden afforded legal protections legal protections yeah. what do you think is that that's going to do to your mem- your already existing members who are having trouble finding a job is going to undermine their ability to make a living yet democrats push the pro act as if it's pro union it's not pro union it's it actually flies in the face of what davis bacon was created to protect and so i take this message to the rank and file union guys that it is by and large not good for them because part of my job is to protect their ability to earn a living and put food on the table for their family and I get criticized for it because I, I, part of me feels like the narrative is, is king, right? And the yeah. idea that the Democrat Party is the party of unions, uh, it's, I don't know that that's I mean, the, the, Maybe build, used to the, be. the building trades guys. It, it, it used to be. Did you, did you see what happened when they proposed the Green New Deal? And the, I think it was the AFL-CIO came out and like threw up in their mouths when they read it. It's going to eliminate the energy sector jobs. It's going to, I think it was the AFL-CIO, I'm not sure, but a bunch of these unions were like, whoa, 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 you're, you're straight up saying you're going to shut our jobs down. That, Why would we support that? Well, that's, that's what, when I say Pennsylvanians have short memories, this is what they see. They don't want to lose those jobs. You know, the oil, right. oil and, and natural gas industry in Pennsylvania is a centerpiece of our economy. And you, 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 uh, did you see what Hillary Clinton said was one of her biggest regrets in the 2016 campaign? I think it may have been, may have been her biggest regret when she said that we were going to shut down all these coal jobs. Oh, yeah. Well, Joe Biden essentially said the same thing. Exactly. He said, yep. he said if you can go down in a mine shaft, you can learn to code. He, he, like, wait, he actually said learn to code? I'm pretty sure he said, <laughs> yeah, if you, yeah if, he, if you can go down 3,000 foot in a mine shaft, you can learn to code. I, I, look it up. I, I, look it up. Yeah, there it is. There it You're is. Right. Wow. No kidding. <laughs> yeah. Sheesh. Yeah. Yeah. He t- tells coal miners to learn to code. Wow. Like, oh, oh right. Sean. Sean's a propagandist. No, I'm not. He said it. <laughs> um, and so, you, you know, these jobs, you know, I, I come from a, my grandfather, who's a second father to me, for God's sake, was a, a union, a lifelong union Democrat. These jobs are legacy jobs to these people. Their father was a coal miner. Their father's father was a coal miner. And all of a sudden, you have a politician, I mean, who is supposed to be elected by the people to, pro- to protect and advocate for them, saying, you know what, yeah, this legacy, who cares? Just yeah. learn the code, bro. Dude, it's like this. Uh, look, I, I got to show this video, man. This video, um, I, I don't think I'm going to play it, but this guy had his, had his family's business. His parents started this business. They burned it to the ground. And these, these, these people who are marching around destroying these things, who get this defense from Democrats, who pretend like it's a peaceful march and the media protects them, don't understand. They're not just, they're not just attacking this guy. It's his legacy. It's more 100%. than that. It's his dream for his kids. You know, I, I was looking at buildings. I'm, I'm trying to expand the business. You know, we've got uh, some big plans. We're about to do it. It's awesome. I'm really excited. A million subscribers. Yeah, I hit a million subscribers. Hardcore, so. man. But I, I do have multiple channels, so it's like, you know, it's, it's more. But I'm looking, I, was, I went to this one building, and there was a guy there who was like in his 80s, and he wanted to sell it. And I asked him, I was like, you know, why do you want to sell it? He didn't have any kids. It actually made me feel really sad. He built this building over decades as his building expanded, like a makeshift jigsaw puzzle of just pulling on pieces. And I told him, I was like, I want you to re- just record a story and tell a story about how you built this and like what the building was, how it came to be. Just like, give me 10 minutes. He didn't want to do it. 
I don't, I, I don't think he has to. But to me, I, I take value. I, I, I really value the accomplishments of humanity, where we've come from, where we're going. I think about the idea that we're standing on shoulder, the shoulders of giants. I that say that all the time. I agree completely. And, and I, I, you know, look, I go to New York. You see all these bridges over the Hudson, over the, you know, I think it's, is, is it the, no, it's the East River, not the Hudson. Hudson's the tunnels. You, well, they have some bridges. But you see all these bridges. I have no idea how they got there. I woke up one day and walked in, and I can walk across this river, this big bridge. People are skating on They have no idea the, the, the blood, sweat, and tears that went in to making sure that they would have shade you know, you know the saying: you, you plant a tree whose shade you know you'll never sleep. Uh, you know you'll never get to sit under. These like so many people, millions of people, just woke up one day with the Brooklyn Bridge. They didn't have to build it. No work went into it. They just one day have it, mm-hmm. and it's just there for them. That's that's legacy. So when you see these, these uh, to go back to the coal miners, to being to being told learn to code, it's like Joe Biden may as well have burned down their family business. That everything that that was there, that, I couldn't imagine. I couldn't imagine someone, you know, here, here's what your family is. Here's what your family's done. Here's the history. Here's what you're proud of. Screw it. Go be a computer programmer in New York. That's, that's exactly <laughs> what he's saying. You that, know what, that's exactly what he's saying. You know what's really crazy about this learn to code thing? It was a meme, and it got conservatives banned on, on social media. I know. Yeah. Was, I know. I mean, and there's Joe Biden out there telling. Wow, I didn't even know Joe Biden said that. And this was, this I is, know. But this is, what's crazy about this is this story is from, uh, when is this from? The, the Hill. 2019. Yes, it's he said it on the campaign trail. December. It's it's from it's from uh, last December. The learn to code thing. I mean, uh, we're going to phase out. He also says we're going to phase out the, all fossil fuels. You know, so December thirty first, twenty nineteen. Yes, the learn to code wasn't wasn't the learn to code ban fiasco like way before that. Yeah, yes, it was. Wow. wow, dude, talk about nightmarishly out of touch. Well, that creeps me out. I mean, you wouldn't believe the things that he says. <laughs> but I mean, people, people I would at this point. People don't people don't believe it. You know, I th- th- again, this is why I t- this is why fundraising is so important, because the media should be telling people this. But the media does not <laughs> like well, you would think the media in Western Pennsylvania would report on this, given that tens of thousands of people work in this industry. They might want to know that this is these are the positions that Joe Biden espouses. You know, you it, the fact that AOC is now Connor Lamb's boss on this energy <laughs> environmental task force is kind of relevant. You know? Kamala Harris, she supports the Green New Deal. I'm pretty she sure. She co-wrote it. Oh, there you go. She co-wrote the bill. This is, it's just, look, when AOC first got elected, the first thing I did was I laughed. These establishment Democrats getting comeuppance, these young upstarts kicking them out. I'm like, good. They sit around, they get elected, they do nothing. So you know what? He did, you know, uh, Joe Crowley. He 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 took. He was uh, he was arrogant, and he lost for it. So I laughed. I looked at a lot of her policy positions, and I'm like, there's a decent amount I actually agree with. You know, prison reform and and you know some some other things. When the Green New Deal was first being talked about, it was framed in such a way that I thought was awesome. Here's what they did. They said, "Would you support government investment into green technologies to help offset carbon emissions?" Eighty-six percent of people were like, "Yeah, of course." Like, look, if the government's, you know, got uh, money for grants and these programs, it sounds like it's a good idea. So when the Green New Deal is first announced, it's like the idea is to repair our infrastructure and develop new technologies and green technologies to, to, you know, help make our country more energy independent and efficient. I'm like, that sounds great. And then she released it. And I I was like, what is this garbage? Money for people unwilling to work, farting cows. Getting rid of planes. Yeah, no planes, no meat. But the, the whole second page, or at least a large portion of it, was talking about racial equity payments. 
And I'm like, what does that have to do with developing new technology to improve the lives of Americans? The greatest, look, uh, I mean, yeah, the, the Green New Deal is obviously insane, okay? It just is. As, as a policy proposal, as a standalone policy proposal, it's insane. It's not reality. Again, my, po my position on energy is all of the above. You know, where we can use renewables, let's do it. Let's invest in it. Nuclear right? energy. Nuclear energy is also something that we have to yep. look at. Uh, but you want a case study in a country migrating exclusively to renewable energy sources is Germany. Look at what happened in Germany. What happened? Their, their energy costs skyrocketed. It was a disaster. <laughs> their people, their people said no more, and and they and they've had to sort of transition from renewable energy sources to now natural gas. You see what happened in France when they said we're going to impose a tax on on gas. To, so, so oh, that, there was a border. People were like, there was a border. It was line riots yeah, yeah, right. for like two years. <laughs> yeah, there was a revolt. I Look, know. I that that kind of bums me out. I don't like the idea that. You know, we we as a human civilization need to progress. We need to do better. And, you know, we we get stuck. And it, it's if have we you get, ever been on a hydraulic fracturing rig, I, have I see not. where you're going with this. It is it is like this is like Star Trek Enterprise type stuff. Like when you talk about like getting better, you know, horizontal drilling, the, the way you got to go, like come out to Western Pennsylvania. We'll go take a tour of one. It'll blow your mind how precise they are. Some of these, some of these companies like Penn Energy Resources has a zero methane tolerance, right? And methane's yeah. well, oh, methane's bad. And it, it is, right? Yeah. They're so precise. They, they, they tolerate zero methane emissions, you know, and, and, and they're so advanced. And it was precisely that market-based innovation, right? That has allowed us to be a leader in, in decreasing our carbon emissions, right? Um, and every day, I mean, so my, the, I, I say all this to say it's market-based innovation that will lead the way to more cleaner and more renewable energy sources, not government monopoly. No, that's what and, I, that, and, yeah. That, that was my point. You, oh, well, I co-opted your point. I, I just, yeah, 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 yeah. I, 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 no, the, the, the general idea is that we, we, we develop this technology and then the government wants to make sure that it, it's easier to just keep everything frozen than it is to actually allow the market to change with new technologies and new development. I think there's, 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 there's obviously extreme ends. We can't just have, you know, archaic jobs because people are like, the job is more important than innovation. And we can't have learn to code. There's got to be, you know, uh, competitive, gradual change to develop new technologies. One of the biggest challenges I see, though, nuclear energy seems very promising. It is one of the highest uh, return on energy investments. It's it's clean. zero carbon emission. Boom, and the left opposes it. I, I, I think I think they oppose it just because it gets a bad rap. I mean, right. you know, you watch something. My, so my dad works in nuclear energy. He's like one of the smartest guys I've ever met. He's he's amazing. Um, but he like I like watch Chernobyl, and I'm like, oh man, this is so great, Dad. I love this. And he was like offended when he watched it. He's like, <laughs> this is this is not how nuclear energy works. This is why this is why nuclear energy gets a bad rap because it's sort of yeah. I mean, Chernobyl was a, obviously a catastrophe. It was a yeah. disaster. I mean, there human there, there was human error. I mean, all sorts of bad things happened. But uh, you know, and I'm I'm certainly not trying to just brush that off, right? Um, but the the nuclear energy there, there it, our all nuclear navy. Right, that we've had in this right. country for a long time. There's not been one single incident, not a single incident since since the inception of our all nuclear navy. Because in the United States, we've got a real great system of checks and balances. Uh, but when you talk to a lot of the the energy executives and say in Western Pennsylvania that are that are in natural gas, it, it's a simple dollars and cents issues for them. You know, they say like, well, it's, I just can't. Aff 
they, why build a nuclear power plant where there are so many government regulations exactly. and hoops that you have to jump through? It's a multi-billion dollar investment when you can just, you know, invest yeah, in that, that, natural gas and it's exponentially cheaper. Kind of what I was trying to get at, too, is is the government is impeding instead of, uh, I guess, appropriate refereeing. You know, nuclear energy is is being demonized. There, uh, a lot of Democrats, progressives, they say it's bad, it's wrong, but it would be the solution to so many of our problems if we could just do it. Mm-hmm. And that's why when I hear about fracking, we see those videos where the the fire is shooting out of the faucet and stuff. I don't believe it. I Did mean, you see the that Michael Moore documentary that oh, that, where he said they were all lying. That was crazy. I didn't see it, but I I, I read about it. He got roasted because <laughs> yeah. the but but yeah yeah. I, I I worked for Greenpeace a decade ago, longer than a decade ago. And I learned about their founders. One of their founders, um, I think his name is Patrick Moore. I might be getting his name wrong. I think he follows me on Twitter now. Uh, he left a long time ago because, and I'm probably, I don't want to I don't, I don't get his story wrong. One of the reasons is he supports nuclear energy. And Greenpeace doesn't. It makes no sense. If you believe in protecting the environment, nuclear energy is a great way to do it. But I guess they make money off the boogeyman, the specter of this technology because of things like Chernobyl, Three Mile Island, and Fukushima. And Fukushima was really bad. I mean, but that was a tsunami. So, I mean, they definitely need to make sure they have security uh, set up to make sure that doesn't happen again. But I, I, I ended up hearing these stories. I read about this guy. I read about nuclear energy and how the left opposes it. And I got really confused because it's a green energy. It's new tech. It's extremely good for this, our country and the world. But they oppose it. Then they come to me and they, t- they come with other stories about fracking and all these other, you know, fossil fuel, you know, operations. And now I just don't know what to believe because I know the nuclear energy stuff is all exaggerated. I mean, sure, it has its problems. But then when they come to me and they claim fracking is the worst thing, it ought to be banned, it has to be shut down immediately overnight, ban all fossil fuels. I'm like, I, I don't know if I believe you, man. I don't know. I don't know if you're being honest, but I don't, I don't know what their end game is with banning fossil fuels other than climate change. But if that were the case, would nuclear energy be the solution? Yeah, well, right. Correct. I'll, I'll, I'll add one more point. The former chief of staff for AOC straight up said the Green New Deal is more about changing the economy. It is not. Yeah, it's not about it's it's not about green energy. It is about control. It's about changing the the the, the structure of our country. Right, changing yeah. the economy. That's what it's about. And and you're right. Her chief of staff said it. I'm gonna pull up. Uh, I'm pulling up super chats. We'll get to these in a, in a quick super second. chats. Is that is that all people talking? These are all people like, talking wh- while you're while you're while we're talking. They're typing in. Yeah, and sending money. <laughs> yeah, this is the chat. You notice the chat going off in the background? Sending money to you? Yeah, to the show. I have to send money to my campaign. What's your campaign website? SeanforCongress.co. What's your What's your Twitter? Sean Parnell USA. Boom, there it is. Wait, is that like a handle? Yeah, at Sean Parnell yeah. USA. Yeah. Any, anything else you want to mention? We'll take questions. Sure. Yeah. Just you know, can't. Yeah. Well, I mean, my gosh, I'd love <laughs> yeah, money. Don't you get it? Campaign. Give <laughs> Sean. Give Sean well, money. People. Look, people. Don't, we talked about this leading in, but people don't. They fundamentally don't understand how politics work. If you want to change the scope of what this country looks like, you want to preserve the next generation for our children. Find great charismatic candidates that know how to fundraise. People, people, people ask me, like even major political pundits that work for national TV net. Well, how much has the party given you? The party doesn't give candidates money. Doesn't the DNC? The the D triple C. Yeah, D triple C. Well, no, no. I mean, theoretically, no. They don't cut checks to candidates. Like they might cut a five thousand dollar check here or there from a pack or something like that. But by and large, 
the way that candidates raise money is by call, cold calling people and asking, right? So in the second quarter, I had a $720,000 quarter. Like we outrate, we crushed my opponent. But that happened by me getting a list and calling down that list, people that I don't even know, four hours a day, three, four hours a day, every day for a month. And so the point is, you could have the best candidate in the world in this business. You could have a candidate that you believe in that you think will just rep, that will change the, the face of what this, you know, represent you well. Yeah. But if they can't fundraise, they're not going to win. You got to yeah. have both. You got to have both. It's marketing, man. And, and 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 so many people get into this game. I was one of them as well. That just fundamentally didn't understand how fun. That's why I made that first ad that went viral. That's why the I made warehouse that. one. Well, yeah, because I, I want. First of all, you know, the, the max contribution that anyone that I can get from anybody is twenty eight hundred bucks, right? Uh, and you know, from a married couple, it's fifty six, right? Twenty eight from the husband, yeah. twenty eight from the wife. You get it. So, um, I just said like, well, look, we should be giving people a way to get involved even if it's a buck right how yeah. much is the future of this country worth to you is it worth a buck great invest in our movement i'm the dollar just a sean small, club yeah the dollar sean club <laughs> and so do you want to know the story behind that man so yeah, like yeah, yeah. we're trying to get creative with fundraising i thought to myself okay so fundraising is a grind it's an everyday thing but this job right you need the money to win you, you know you just have to you have to have it but this job is about being there among the people it's about advocating for good policy that supports the people. So trying to think of creative ways to raise money, I started to think conceptualizing, you know, hey, well, if we did this Dollar Sean Club, get people, you know, what if we had 100,000 people give a buck? What if we had 100,000 people give a buck every month? Yeah. All of a sudden, you've changed the game, right? All of a sudden, you have a subscriber-based system where they, a dollar recurring, 100,000 people, a dollar recurring, uh, you don't even notice it. You're involved, uh, in, you're involved in the direction of the country. You're backing a candidate that you, that you believe in, and that gives the candidate the flexibility to go out there and be among the people. That's what the job is, right? And I don't yeah. have to spend five hours a day on the phone every day, you know? So it's about uh, everything that I do is about bringing people together and broadening our tent, you know, because I just believe that, uh, really, this we've got to shrink the size of government and give the power the, back to the people. There's, but. A, there's an interesting conundrum in in um, political financing. Do you do we want a bunch of millionaires in Congress and the Senate, or do we want regular people? I kind of like the idea of regular people, but at the same time, you could argue that for some, wealth is a sign of meritocracy. They've been successful. They've raised money, but it could also be a sign of cronyism. They get into politics. They they secure their place. They lock it down, and then they just you know use their connections to make cash. I like I like what you're saying, because if you didn't have to spend so much time fundraising, I think it would solve if, if all politicians didn't, it would solve a lot of problems. And we hear from a lot of the progressive left that say get money out of politics. They think politicians should be spending more time with their constituents, less time focused on fundraising and fundraising t eats up a lot of the time for especially people in Congress, because like every two years for uh, oh, every, in the House, you're you're, right. you're you've got to it's raising money all the time, right. all the time. That's what you know. And, and at least the federal level, right? And, yeah. and all the state regulations are different. So like if you're running for a state office in the state of Pennsylvania, you can find, you know, some big money donors. They write you one check and you're good, right? Um, that's that's also a mixed bag, right? Because then you've got the the philosophical underpinnings of like, oh, this can't, you're owned by this person, right? So there, yeah. I feel like the rules and regulations at the federal level are, are constructed in such a way to prevent that. I think that's a good thing. But, but 
we've got to be more creative as, as Republicans. I feel like the Democrats got it down. They've got act blue. Their digital fundraising platform is second to none. We've got win red, right? Yeah. But act blue, it's like a data aggregating system. Yep. So over time it builds up the amount of donors that are in it. And over time, the system itself gets more powerful. The same is true of win red. We're just four election cycles behind. Yeah. Although president Trump has done amazing things for win red man. Like he's, yeah. but so anyway, we do this ad, we, we conceptualize this ad, and I call up my finance chair, who's just an incredible guy. He's got manufacturing facilities all, all around Western Pennsylvania. I say, can we film an ad in one of your factories? And he says, yeah, man, yeah, of course. And we show up. Like, we got a, a, a camera, like a 4K camera with a camera a cameraman. My campaign manager who's sitting over there with the, with the lights. I got my girlfriend with the script. And those workers in, in the ad were just working there. Just day. working there? And I'm like, hey, man, you want to be in an ad? They were like, yep. And it cool. took from 9 to 1 to film, something like that, right? In 9 to, nine to 1, 9, 9 to 2. And we put the ad out, and I was afraid to put it out because it was so different. And, and you know. I thought it was awesome. And, and, and it took off. It got like 2 million views in a day. Or yeah. In, in one day. And so maybe, maybe 1.5 million views in a day. And, but it's, you know, just this trying to get creative. This is why I'm saying I, I feel like Trump is the Internet's politician, but it's not it's not just Trump. It's politicians like you, um, Kimberly Klasik. These You saw her viral ad. Oh, yeah. She's amazing. 10 million, 12 million. Yes. Yeah. There's 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 people who understand who are active and they're doing fun, authentic things. Like when I saw that ad you did in the warehouse, it just seemed like you're a regular dude <laughs> trying to have fun with it. Dollar Sean Club. It was it was kind of a, a, a upbeat, fun way of going about politics. You did make another ad that was very serious. Yeah. And I thought that was great too. Well, you know, I, I just, you gotta be able to communicate with people, you know? Right. And I think authenticity is the coin of the realm in politics in this day and age. People, people don't want career politicians. People want real. If you, know? you could, if you could get, I mean, if there was a, I mean, I, I like the idea of term limits, but if you could I get. I can break that down as to why I, I can, I, I can. Right, you're for term can, limits? No, I can complicate the issue for you. Oh, Go okay. for it. Absolutely. So I'm not going to be a career politician. I'll tell you right here, right now, I have no desire to do it. I love my job in the private sector, writing books for a living, doing speaking engagements. It was great. President Trump called me out. It's an honor to have the opportunity to serve this country again. Um, so term limits, I, you know, I've, I've told you I'm not going to do it. But also, so if I say, you know, well, I'm only going to do two terms, three terms, does that not then give the power in Washington to the bureaucrat staff? Right. Who now have a permanent presence in Washington and elected representatives of the people do not. Right. It also undermines your seniority. Is it six years right. in Washington. I mean, how you never be a chairman on a committee just six years. Yeah. You know, so there's that. Uh, but also, shouldn't the people determine what a term what term limits are? Yeah. I, but, but but at the same time. I, I don't like career politicians. Right. I'm not going to be one. So I, I've thought about a lot of this. And, you know, a lot of people said, what about someone like Ron Paul, who was, you know, I, th I, don't, I don't know how many he had, like 11 or some ridiculous number. Yeah. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll mention this, too, because you mentioned earlier on that the big tent of the Republican Party is freedom, life, liberty, pursuit of happiness. I would tell people, my, me politically, I'm like the political compass. I'm left libertarian. So I'm more about freedom. But I'm like. Easiest way to understand it is hippies living on a farm, you know, sharing their watermelon. That's about it. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's more about cooperation, less about competition. But if I had to make a choice about what kind of government I would rather have, it would be a more right libertarian in the sense that freedom, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. The reason is there was something Ron Paul said a long time ago that I thought was, I think it was Ron Paul said this, that if you want socialism, you can go start your own commune. 
No, like this is America. You can literally go get a plot of land in the middle of nowhere, start your commune and have your socialist society. You don't need to force it on anyone else. And I'm like, that's a really good point. So I can do my thing and you can leave me alone. That sounds great. And that's just libertarian in general. So I can have my farm with my hippie friends. You leave me alone. We'll protect ourselves. We'll do our work. We'll do our thing. You do yours. And that's easier to accomplish under a system that's more about, you know, more uh, competitive libertarianism. So I, I was going to make a different point on that. But anyway, the general idea is... Did I co-opt your point again? Yeah, do it, I, do it, do um, it. No, I said, did I? Did I just totally... Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, okay. no, no. No, I was going to make a point uh, when you mentioned the Republican bigger tent. I was going to say something else. I, I went off on a tangent. But uh, let's talk about let's 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 uh, let's talk about super chats. People got questions, I super, guess. And is it super chats, super chats, a YouTube thing where people give money, okay, and ask questions or make statements. And so uh, this guy, Uncle Juan, three hundred bucks. Oh dang! Yeah, so that he could he could say this. Okay. He says protesters showed up to a rural town near me in Oregon called Wilhelmina, but the locals heard they were coming, so they blocked the entrance to the town and stood armed when they arrived and saw what was waiting for them, then turned and ran. The Oregonian then wrote a piece, shocked, wondering why they were so mean. And that's a super chat. Some of them will be wow. questions. Well, wow. I mean, story, is, though, right? is that not the point of the Second Amendment? <laughs> yeah. Is that not why it exists? 100%. Right? Did, you, did you hear about what happened with the Seattle uh, police that's, chief? That's, that's, a, that's powerful. That's, that, that, that's powerful. And did you see, I mean, look, you know what happened in the L.A. riots and stuff, people on the rooftops defending their businesses with rifles and stuff, when, you know. I'm a, I'm a, I'm I'm part Korean, so someone sent me a, a roof Korean thing. You got it, man. What <laughs> that? See that, that man? Oh, that it, it, so when you hear people talk about, you know, dismantling the Second Amendment, I take it personal because they're saying that you don't. I the government is saying I don't want you to have the ability to protect yourself, your family, your home, or your business. And and what that question just shows shows ordinary people. Just wanting to protect their hearth and their home from people who don't care for it. That's, that's have, have why you, the Second Amendment exists. You seen that crazy video from Colorado where the far leftists shut up some random neighborhood, and, and, and the guys like, came the out. Veterans or, kicked them out or something. Yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, I saw yeah. it. I was like, oh, in, so, in, oh geez. In Seattle, there was uh, uh, these. They were trying to show up to the the home of the police chief, and locals blocked the road with an SUV, came out with guns, and the, and these 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 leftists were were yelling things like we were being peaceful, and they said. They were like, you, you, we were being peaceful and you pointed a gun at us. And the lady goes, yeah, that's why you were being peaceful. So I'm not, uh, you know, we, we, we've seen a lot of instances where people have come out with weapons and defending, you know, their roads or whatever. I'm worried about it because, you know, we, we just had a story where some Black Lives Matter protesters, I guess, were driving through uh, PA and a guy came out and fired buckshot at him. Yeah, that, ain't, yeah, that ain't good. Yeah, right. That's not, we don't, don't want don't escalation. Like yeah, I agree completely. It's, I was just but, thinking the same thing. It's concerning, you know. Uh, yeah, you, we don't want we don't want that. Yeah, yeah. So, but how do how do you know where the line is? That's, 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 what I mean is, we see a video clip on the internet. We don't know what happened. All we know is there's a bunch of people around this guy's house. Then he, he's coming out. He's armed. For all we know, a situation where they were harassing, they were threatening. The guy got scared. No idea. Either way, I just I I want I want to figure out how we prevent all of that. I I don't want people showing up to my house armed, and I don't want I don't want to have to be defending my home. I want to live in peace. That's what the vast majority of Americans want. But I don't liberal, conservative, or otherwise. But I don't think there's an easy answer to just be like, "Oh, this person was right. This was person was wrong." We all think we know the answers, and that's well, why. You well, have, of course, there's not an easy answer. But the, the, the one, the, here's a start: uniting against, you know, politically, our leaders need to come together and say, "Rioting and looting is not permissible." 
You start there and then you get around a table and you have a conversation. That's what the First Amendment is all about. Yeah. You know, I think it's funny. You, you see that viral clip where uh, it was uh, Chris Cuomo. He's on CNN. And he goes, where does it say in the in the Constitution? Oh, my that God. Protests yeah. <laughs> the guy, the TikTok video guy. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. He's like. Yeah, he's like, Chris, Chris Cuomo said, where does it say that pe- protests have to be peaceful? And the guy's eating the ramen. He goes, it's, uh, it's in the First Amendment. It's literally yeah, it's in like, the- And it's like, it's like some, it's just like circled. He's just like. He's a hero. Yeah. yeah that, I think this that guy, video got like 40 million views or something. It was amazing. Insane. Yeah, yeah. You just got to look it up, Mr. Cuomo. It's literally it's in right the First there. Amendment. First thing. But now I think this is one of the things they're, they're gaslighting us on. Peaceful protest, peaceful marches no, over and over again. You don't got to tell me. I know. They are gaslighting us on that. I mean, you pull up the article in the Post-Gazette, in the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, where they wrote about my the editorial board criticized that video saying, oh, we deserve better, Sean. You're better. You're a good young man, but we deserve better rhetoric than this. And I said, well. Nah, that's a trick. Well, you know, I, the Pittsburgh yeah, the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette, they're good. They're good people. I just, the, the, and the editorial board, they're good people. It's a good paper, but I think that they were wrong on that. And, yeah. and, and. I wrote a response, 750 words, standard response. You know what they said? They didn't publish it. So they wrote two <laughs> pieces on me, and I said, hey, can I please respond? And they said, yeah. So I wrote one and said, nah, no, just, you only get 200 words. I'm like, but you wrote 1,700. Yeah. Uh, you know, no. So it's funny how uh, at the DNC they did peaceful, 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 peaceful. There was a, I got an email after the first night, and it was from a progressive organization, and all the subject was was the word lies like 50 times. And I'm like, can you write me an email like that about the Democratic Party? Because, you know, when, 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 but no, of course not. I got an email from somebody in Europe who said that when they turn on their news, all they hear about is peaceful protests and that Trump is attacking them. And then they go online and they see all the videos and they're sick and tired of being lied to. I got, I got, I got friends and family in Chicago. Chicago saw that mass wave of looting. They pulled the bridges up downtown to stop the looters from crossing into the downtown area. These rioters and looters went to residential neighborhoods. Aldermen, local politicians freaked out. I got family and friends down there that all of a sudden flipped for Trump Wait, overnight. Did you see Mayor, Mayor Lightfoot? All of a sudden, the protesters are on her street, and she's got cops guarding her house. Yep. I, I mean, I, do, do, do people, people see this, okay? This is, this is going to be an issue in the 2020 election. And, and people ask, first of all, and I don't, I don't like these questions because I don't like breaking down people into brackets. Like, well, how are you going to get the suburban housewife? Like, this is how yeah, people yeah, talk yeah. in politics. I loathe that. I don't like it. I think that yeah. everybody wants freedom, economic prosperity, peace, law and order. <laughs> I mean, the, these are things that we all want. Is rioting is not, is not acceptable. And, you know, yeah. you look in Pittsburgh alone, there was some rioting in Pittsburgh. It wasn't as bad as it was in Philadelphia, but, you know. Several police officers got hurt. A cop got hit in the head with a brick, was, was in the hospital. My opponents speak up for them. Those are police that operate in and around his district. Did he say a word about it? No. This, this, but this, this is why they lose me. This is why the Democrats lose me. This is why they're going to lose. This is why. That's why, I, that's why I said in my speech last night, I called to Democrats. Are you, you're still a Democrat? Are you still a Democrat? I've I've never really been like I'm I'm not going to play. So you like your own thing. I voted for Obama in 08. Yeah. Then in 2012, I was mad at him. I thought that he did a lot of things. He 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 did not. I mean, he did a lot of really bad things. And then in 2016, I just laughed when Trump won. I didn't vote for either of them. I said I don't want to be involved in this. I don't want to be on anyone's team. I don't want to be on any tribe. And I was resistant even to say I'd vote for Trump. Now I'm I'm saying straight up, he releases agenda. I like it. I think he's he's improved greatly. I'm going to vote for the guy. But it's mostly about the riots. Um, that 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 was that was a that's going to be an issue for a lot of people. It's just, it's just 
I got family in Chicago. I got of course, my friend. Yeah. I've got friends and family. And when they're running around the city shooting guns into the Gucci store to break the window, guns going off, cars are driving. It was it was insane. It is I don't, insane. People don't realize they 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 lift the bridges up, in, in uh, around the downtown area, to to like stem the rioting, and that's like that's a big deal for Chicago to like cut off downtown from the from because because the river goes through. So you got to go around like one bridge to get in, and it blocked people in. It blocked people out. I'm worried about whether or not I've got to find a way for my family to, to leave the city. Many of them are in the suburbs, but the riots went to the suburbs too. And I feel like the Democrats are spitting in my face when I'm like, when I, when I wake up and I hear, did you hear about the riots last night in Chicago? I'm like, no, no, what happened? I was in bed. When, when those riots broke out, it happened like really late at night, early in the morning, and I went to sleep. And I wake up looking at all these videos, and the first thing I do is I hit up my mom. What's going on? Is that like, you know, I know she, she's out in the suburbs. Is everybody okay? Is any, that's just, that's worrying. It's scary. And then what, what, what do I what do I hear from Nadler? It's a myth. It's a myth. It's a myth. It's a myth. Uh, they're, they're just peaceful. Well, let, 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 let me call those my family. Pe- those are peaceful Molotov cocktails. Peaceful marches gave way to to, to fire. Uh, no, I'm not happy about that. And then, you know, I, I that's when, when I ended up realizing. I said earlier this year I'll never have a gun in my house. And then when I when I saw everything that was going down, and you went you went in the opposite direction. I went nuts. <laughs> <laughs> I went nuts. And I got a bunch of guns. Yeah, I was just like, that's it. And then I was on, uh, you know, Stephen Crowder. Yes. He said to me, he's like, would you, he, he said something like, would you now accept that any politician who's going to try and take your guns away or so, something about not voting for him, supporting him? Like, would you be, I'm like, I'm not going to support any of these laws. No, look, I, I gave my faith. I had, I had faith in the system for a long time. And now I feel like we've got a big political party, the, the biggest political party, the Democrats, they, they, they're pretending like it's not happening or outright supporting these people. In, in Portland, there's a story coming out saying Ted Wheeler, the mayor, he wanted the police to stand down. I don't know if they're admitting he actually ordered them to, but the police stood down. That's insane to me. And, and, and they don't support the police. So the police in Seattle, the state police in Oregon, not Seattle, retreated. They called in the state cops to deal with the riots. And then the prosecutors kept cutting all these riders loose. So the state, state police were like, we're not going to do this anymore. I don't want to see anybody get hurt. I don't, want the, I don't even want the rioters to get hurt. I'm mad at what, about what they're doing. I think they should be you know, arrested and, and, and they're punished for their crimes. But I don't want them to get hurt. I don't want innocent buildings, to, you know, innocent business owners to, to suffer. I don't want the cops to get hurt. And all, all, the, all that has to be done is the prosecutors do their job. We already have laws that make it illegal to smash windows and beat people. They're not doing it. And that, I snapped. I went out and bought a bunch of guns. And I'm like, I'm not going to vote for these people. I need, I need someone who's going to do something. Donald Trump did not send out all these cops across the country. He sent out investigators. They lied and claimed he was sending secret police to, like, march through the streets. I no, know. you know what? If he did, maybe the rioting wouldn't have happened in my hometown. Maybe, maybe the rioting wouldn't be happening in Kenosha and these other cities. Tim, I think there are a lot of people, millions of people out there that feel just like you. Yeah. And I think that this is going to be – and I don't care what the media says. This is going to be a, a, an issue uh, for 2020 for sure. I definitely think so. Let's read some more questions. All right. Caleb Warden says, great podcast as always. Question for Sean. Do you think there should be more ex-military leaders in local state seats? FYI, I live in Green Bay and I'd say it's getting upsetting, uh, unsettling close in our city. Former USMC 2011, plenty of patriots up here, Trump 2020. Yeah, that's a great question. I think so when people, when men and women raise their right hand to serve this country, they go overseas, they at some point in time, Right. Whether they're a Democrat or Republican or independent or, or libertarian, 
they they sign on the dotted line and they they say that they're going to put their country before their own self-interests before making a buck before having a family before doing anything else that they wanted to do with their life i think we need more people that have that have served this country you said you travel around the world you know yeah. what it means to be free you've seen countries that aren't right um i think we need more people that have served in the military uh, on both sides of the aisle at every level of government. One of the biggest issues for me and who I want to vote for is military service. One of the reasons why I was a big fan of Tulsi is that she's a major in the National Guard. I mean, the commander-in-chief is not just the executive. It's the commander-in-chief of the armed forces. So my, my opinion on that is I'd much rather every politician have some kind of service. Do you know what the Democrats did to Tulsi? She's a Democrat. You I know, know what they did. They did. She's a Russian asset. Of course she is. Oh, come I on. I think I, she, she abstained, abstained on impeachment, I'm pretty sure, right? Like she was one of the... I don't remember. But I know my opponent voted for it. That was the stupid... That, that made me really angry. I've got to Jeff, always pivot it back to, to my opponent. I'm oh, for sure, Tulsi, for sure. Tulsi's, I don't, I don't know her. She seems nice. Jeff Van Drew. I disagree Drew. with most things she says, but she seems nice. Jeff Van Drew is just a couple miles from, from where we're at. Oh he, yeah, yeah, yeah. He he switched. He did switch, and he's he's his his policies didn't change. He's he was always, man. It's crazy because that guy is a Democrat. You uh, you look. I looked at his issues, and I'm like, this guy's a Democrat because the Republican Party is the party of diversity of thought. Yep. There are so many it, it, people. People act like Republicans are these draconian knuckle draggers. It is not the truth. There are so many. There are so many different people in the Republican Party that that, that believe so many different things. Suzanne Collins from 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 Maine. She's pro. She's I believe. I don't want to speak for her, but I believe she's pro choice. I, I mean, think I think Van Drew is pro choice. So there you so go. Yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah. But guess what? They're in the Republican Party, yep. and they ain't shunned. You know or why? Canceled. You know why? Because there's a conversation to be had about there's it. A conversation I, to be had. That that's what that is. The essence of America is that we have differing differing opinions. I know where you stand. You know where I stand, and we come to a consensus. We meet in the middle, and we do work on behalf of the American people. You can't do that when one side just wants you, or one side thinks you're evil, or one side wants you canceled. You know, you can't yep. do that. And so we have to elect leaders that will have that conversation and will push back against cancel culture because it's dangerous. I don't think anybody, I, 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 you know, I tell people you got to speak up because you have to. when these people are marching around demanding those sit at the, ta- sit at the tables, raise their fist in compliance, we cannot have a society where people are all uh, beaten into submission. You know, we're the country of uh, live free or die. Give me liberty or give me death. That's, that's, so the, the people who said no. If you want to support a cause, it's America. You can go around and march, do your thing. Yeah. You can't force other people to do it. For sure. For sure. What's the, we got, what do you call this? A super chat. Super chats. Yeah, super yeah. Super chats. You so got, do you have t-shirts that say super chats? <laughs> no, no. It's just... Dude, super, that, it's, it's, super chats. It's, 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 I don't call it that. It's, YouTube calls super it that. Chat, super oh, chat. That's, not like a, that's not like a Tim Cash no, thing? No, 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 no. I thought that was like one of your things. <laughs> no. I was like, Man, okay. Chats. On YouTube, they have a thing called super chat where you can give money and then it makes your comment How more How have I not... I, I don't have any YouTube. I don't have any followers, so it wouldn't work. But but still, that's it. Interesting. Mr. McGraw says, fellow vet, Yinzer, PA14 here, moved here from <laughs> nice, H2O. Nice. What are your thoughts on DOD allowing Black Lives Matter signs at work, saying it's not a political statement? It's not acceptable. What about Wolf wanting to extend mail-in voting to after Election Day? Split not this acceptable. with Sean. I, I, not acceptable. Look, so... It, it's not just Black Lives Matter. It's any political statement. You know, in the military, uh, yeah. we are not. A, this, that's we, our job is to protect and defend the Constitution of the United States. And and by the way, we take an oath when we raise our right hand to protect and defend the Constitution and people 
of every race, creed, and religion in this in this country. So uh, it's not appropriate as a direct answer to your question. They're, they're, um, they're trying to pretend that it's not a political statement, but it's clearly a political I mean, statement. You go to their website and you, and you read their their own self-professed goals of the organization. It's right there in black and white. Yeah. You know? So you can read it. Re- don't, don't take my word for it. Read their website. Um, what was the second part of his question? Um, it was a good one. Oh, Governor oh, Wolf's, oh, yeah. Wolf's uh, mail and voting. Okay, so this is a great question. I spoke out about this right away. Um, there's a difference between absentee early early voting and absentee voting, and mail in voting. When the president rails against mail in voting, he's railing against sending a ballot to everybody. When you do that, you lose chain of custody. It can be a absolute nightmare. What do you are you, are you making? Are you making? I don't want to. I don't want to show the name, but you, can you read what that says? Official mail in ballot. Yeah, this person doesn't live here. Well, there you go. I don't know what I'm supposed to do with it. Is that a ballot or is that a ballot application? It's like a ballot. So there you go. So, like, I, so that's I, yeah. that is my point. When you mail a ballot to everybody, you lose chain of custody. Now, early voting. Okay, the early voting and absentee voting system that we have in the state of Pennsylvania, there is a clear chain of custody. You've got to go online. You've got to apply online. It's barcoded. It's sent to you. You send it back. It's scanned into the system. It's a pretty reliable system. Now, what the Democrats are trying to do is conflate absentee early voting and absentee voting with all mail in voting exactly. to muddy the waters. Okay, but there is a clear empirical difference between the two. And it is dangerous when you send a ballot to everybody because you don't like you don't know. Like you, you made the point better than I, I know. ever could. I just that's I was I, I so the people who watch know I often reference I got this ballot sent here, and so I was like, just have you read it because you don't know what that is, and it just just to confirm we we've got I don't know what to do with it. What do I do now? Do I, now, do I go give it back to them? Yeah. So so <laughs> in the state in the state of Pennsylvania, what what show show like show up and vote. Right. Because because what the Democrats are trying to do is 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 make it confusing. I think the Democrats know by and large that Republicans don't trust mail in voting. Okay, we'd like to show up in person. And and this isn't a knock on Democrats. Democrats are more trust trusting of the mail in vote. Republicans, by and large, I'm speaking in generalities, So don't you know, but Republicans like to show up and we like to vote. So, you know, yes, Governor Wolf is trying to, you know, extend the mail-in voting process he's trying to compromise the integrity of our elections i will tell you that we've got a, we've got a plan in place to make sure that our elections in the general here in the state of pennsylvania but in western pennsylvania as well are safe and secure uh while allowing all of our polling precincts to remain open now in the primary polling precincts were closed you know, on a moment's notice, people were getting you know, in the mail, like little postcards saying, you know, attention, your polling precinct has been changed. And so Republicans and Democrats, for, but Republicans, everyone would show up at their polling location. It wouldn't be there. And in some cases where Republicans found out where their new polling location was, they'd show up and, and re- no Republican paper ballots would be there. And so, yeah. oh, come back later. Well, how many of those people actually come back later? So yeah. the point I'm trying to make is that in the primary, you know, I feel like they try to make it as difficult as possible for Republicans to actually show up while simultaneously sending out mail-in ballot applications to everybody. We've got a better system in the general, and, that, and that's not going to happen. Why are we doing vote by mail? Because of the because the Democrats believe it will help them win, it, and that's just that's is, just is, as simple as I can say it. Is is there a, 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 are they giving an official reason for it that why we have to have vote by mail? The, they're saying that they're saying that because of the pandemic. We want to make sure that people can vote. They want to have access to voting, and they can. They, we want to make sure that they can do it. They can do it safely without putting their oh, health at risk. Wow, 
This is great because Dr. Uh, Burks and Fauci both said we can safely vote by mail. A problem solved. Vote, no, in vote in person. Yeah. Safely yeah. vote in person. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Vote in person. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my gosh. Like, don't yeah. say that. Oh, <laughs> everybody. Oh, my God. No, uh, Fauci said that uh, if we can go to grocery stores, we can go in person and safely. Dr. Burke said it should be no different from going to Starbucks. Of course. If that's the case, yeah, argument's done, right? The reason why this vote by mail is being pushed is because Democrats believe it will help them. Yeah. That's it. The predictions from both sides are that Trump's going to win on election night, but they're not going to call it because they're going to wait for mail-in ballots which will trickle in and will be found, which will give Biden the, the, the numbers he needs. Of course. That's what they... Um, look, I mean, this is... This, Wait, let, let me ask you a question. Let me that's qu- what they did in California. Let me ask you a question. The, the, look, Republican... Dude, look it up. Re- Re- Republican House candidates won in California. A couple of them won. In 2018. Ten, yeah, 10 days later. They lost. Oh, look at all these ballots we found. Oh, looks like let the me, Democrats won. It's, yeah. it's a... Let me ask you a question. If, if, uh, if I publicly announced, you know, I'm voting for Trump, which I did. And then I show up to your house one day and uh, actually we'll, we'll, we'll put it a better way. If a group of people announced that they were going to all be supporting Joe Biden and they show up to your house and say, why don't, why don't you give us your vote, Sean? Give us your give us your ballot. We'll take care of it for you. We'll, we'll make sure it goes to the right place. And they're wearing a Biden hat. Would you would you give them your ballot? No. The Postal Union endorsed Biden. I know. I mean, this, I don't this feel, is, I don't this feel, is I don't let's not pretend no, I, I'm not even going to get into it. No, it, it the, 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 the Democrats I'm, in, in Washington, again, I want to be clear. I'm not talking about tradi- traditional Democrats. I, 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 I do and, like to draw the distinction, right? Yeah. Because their party in Washington does not represent them, okay? Yeah. Um, but I'll say, I'm just going to keep saying this over and over again. The Democrats want all mail-in voting because they believe it will help them win. <laughs> That's why. That's true. That's it. Yeah. So we got another question here. David Meyerson says, how would we as former military get into politics? Oh, boy. Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Well, so it depends on what level of politics you want to get into. I, I, you know, I would recommend running for a local office first, maybe a state office first. I, I jumped into Congress uh, because, you know, the president called me out to sort of do it. Uh, but you don't need a uniform. You don't need a rank. You don't need the title of congressman to get involved in your community. Run for your, hey, run for your local school board. One of the things that I think that Republicans are learning, right? I mean, people think, ah, it's just a school board election. Well, do you think it might matter now where you look at what's happening in this pandemic and, and the greatest public policy debate? I think one of the greatest public policy debates of our time is whether or not our children should go back to school. School boards make that decision. School board elections matter. Get involved in your local community at a level that you think is appropriate for you and, and, and make your voice heard. Like you said, Tim, make your voice heard yeah. and just get involved. And, and when you do, don't be afraid to fundraise. I'm telling you, I, cold calling is not easy. It's challenging. It's scary. It's nerve wracking. You, you get hung up on. You get a lot of no's. But your goal every day should be to get 30 no's. And if you're going to get into politics, don't just do it because oh you want to, you want to have a plat a soapbox platform to to talk about what your your belief system is. That's only part of it. You've got to be a rock and roll fundraiser. You've got to be able to do it. So if you get into politics, regardless of the level, local, state, federal, go into it with a commitment to fundraise. And that's, that's what the party says: just raise money, raise money. But there's a way to do it. Go into it with a plan. Be creative and innovative, and win. Right on. 
We got one from Mitch. He says, Sean, Tim, Lydia, I was a Democratic voter until I started working in law enforcement and the military and started doing research. Americans live in a safety bubble paid for with the blood of patriots like Sean. Never stop fighting for our country and the truth. Amen. Wow, that's really nice. Thank you, ma'am. I appreciate well, that. There are a lot of really, really nice comments. I'm not going to be able to read all, read all of them, uh, but I'll read a couple more because we, we, we have gone over. Palmer Eldridge says, I think the Republican Party's tent is getting too big. The elitist Communist Party of America needs to go away and have new Libertarian Party take its place. <laughs> well, yeah, of course, we don't want people that want to destroy America in our tent. I, I'm, and I mean, yeah. I don't, I, look, if you what I said last night in my speech, if you love America, if you, you know, if you believe our nation is exceptional. And by the way, the, the belief that America is exceptional. It also means that you believe that America is not perfect. Because what makes America exceptional is that our country always seeks to right the ship. Of course, we're not yeah. perfect. Show me a country that is. But we, we always we, we recognize our wrongs and we right the ship. That's what makes us exceptional. That's in mean, burning down cities is retrogressive. It's not progressive. It's the opposite of progress. It's the opposite of classical liberalism. I've right? been to, I've been to a lot of countries. I've been to uh some of these, I've been to a bunch of the, I, I, I think I've been, I've been to uh, almost all the Scandinavian countries. I think America is the best country on the planet. So do I. So I, do I think, I. I think we got a lot of problems. I think we made a lot of mistakes, but I look, I look at, you know, what my family fought for, what they achieved, what they did for me. And then I got to go explore the world and then come back and be like, wow, did they do a great job over the past, you know, couple hundred years and improving things, you know, just for everybody. We've continually made sure to expand civil rights. Re people, people, don't, people don't understand that, you know, even 100 years ago with our Constitution, we didn't have the same free speech we have today. We fought. We, 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 we bled we, for it. Yeah. And, and, and we improved so much that it's only since 1967 that you can have interracial couples. Since 1964, we have civil rights in this country. It's not that long ago. And we fought. We, we, uh, my, my family fought for this. Americans fought for this. And the good guys won. And I mean, we're the country that beat the Nazis, man. Absolutely. The twin evils of fascism and communism, mm -hmm. Americans of all political affiliations and walks of life stared at that, stared down those twin evils and we won. Correct. Let's see. Dave, uh, Dave Meyerson says, I can do that. My American bloodline traces back to mid 1700s New York. Every generation of my family has fought for American freedom and everything you're talking about has been argued about before. We fought for it several times, but the Confederates, who, that, uh, who then turned Democrats, have always built armies to combat it. Semper Fi. Hmm. Gosh, geez. Cool. You, got, you, got some, you got some really engaged and smart viewers, listeners. <laughs> well, these are the ones. Audience. That was a big super chat. These are people who I'm are. Like you know, watching, I'm like watching these comments come through. They're coming through in real time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right now. They're just. Yeah. So uh, here's one from me. Uh, hey, Sean, from your district. It's from Joe. Hopefully you get out. Uh, hopefully you get out, Lamb. What's your opinion on Section Two Thirty Reform? Oh man, well, uh, that's that's a really complicated question. But here's what I think: I'm trying to put it as simple terms as possible. If these social, if these tech companies are censoring conservatives and not liberals, and allowing liberals to promote their political videos, right, or even post them, while simultaneously not allowing conservatives to do it. I mean, it's just, it just ain't right. <laughs> I mean, just, I think, they're violating their Section 230 protection when they do that, right? Are they? Uh, yeah. So I think they've already been in violation of it. I'm wondering why lawsuits haven't already happened. My, my, here, I'll tell you exactly what my position is on it. And uh, there, there are a lot of people who have said horrible, horrible things 
there are a lot of people. I, there's very few people I actually hate, you know, because I try to be just pragmatic, calm, and recognize some people are going to be awful people, right? But there are people who say some things, some things that make me really mad. But if they're Americans, I think should, they should be allowed on these platforms. Because what I don't like, Twitter is accessible by people in every country on the planet. Yes. So right now, on websites like Reddit that have this protection that will ban a conservative, they'll, they'll ban a conservative for jokingly saying learn to code, making fun but of... But the Ayatollah Khomeini is talking about wiping Israel off the face exactly. of the planet. And that's totally cool. I know. It's wrong. And but that, but that, more than this, a guy in Australia can make a post on Twitter saying orange man bad. And then some random people in the U.S. will see that and go, wow, they think the orange man is bad. But Twitter has banned the conservatives. So why is it okay that we have foreign citizens access to this platform that will influence our elections? I saw you make that point the other day on Twitter, and I thought it was a really good one. I'm not saying they, sh you know, foreign individuals should be able to use the platforms. They should. But I think Americans need to be on this platform where we're having these conversations. So that their voice can be heard, too. Otherwise, the only voices you hear are people who don't have our best interests at heart. Look, I think Australia is great, but I don't think people in Australia know our politics. I don't think they know what we are fighting for. I think some of them may have visited here, but I don't, I don't know their history. I wouldn't, I wouldn't begin to start arguing about who they should vote for. But you are, you are very likely going to see you know, left-wing Europeans and even people in, in certain Asian countries in Australia and New Zealand influencing our politics because they have unrestricted, unrestricted access based on their political ideology but you can get a regular, you, you can get a guy and he's 34 and he, he, he you know, he works at a, a refinery or something or some manufacturing job. He's on Twitter horsing around. He sees Trump and then he tweets at a journalist, learn to code, banned. <laughs> regular guy. I know. It's just unbelievable. It, it's, it's right. It, uh, this, uh, so I, I'm with you. I agree with you completely. Yeah, I think the, the, one of the issues I'll say is I've had a lot of time to think about Section 230 reform, but I can imagine you're, for, for you it's much more difficult to just be able to just. I mean, I, I, I sometimes, I mean, I get confused when I can't upload a video on Twitter. you got like 8,000 <laughs> screens and stuff. So all the cameras of, everywhere. I, I think it's just an issue of fairness. I, I think the open and, f you know, the free exchange of ideas is something that makes us better uh and 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 then, then look i mean part of the reason you've got these you know kids rampaging all across this country and tearing down our statues is because it's somewhere along the way they were taught to dislike this country they were yeah. they were only taught the negative aspects of our of our history and when they when there's not an opposing view we're not there when there's not someone there that's saying hey wait a second look america has our flaws but we're, we're a fundamentally good country, and here's why. You don't challenge anybody to grow. Yeah. And when you do that on social media, when you, when, you, when you censor only one side on social media, kind of the same thing happens. And that's why I think people say that you know, Twitter can be a, a, a dumpster fire precisely because they're censoring people. And look, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. Like, it doesn't. I mean, Laura Loomer is a perfect example of that. She's the example. It doesn't work. So she won I don't a know. primary. She's got 630,000 followers on Parler. She found a new platform. You know what? The only thing they did was when they banned her was they made sure they didn't know what she was working on. It's it's. Oh, yeah. Right. It's, like, it's, so it's the sure biggest, she, yeah. The, yeah. So it, it, what you're saying is, is that it allows people to fly under the radar. Yeah. Not, not that she was happy about it. But isn't that one of the biggest intelligence blunders of any, you know, organization? If you're, if you're, is this funny? I always tell these activists this. They think the police are jamming their phones. And I'm like, they don't want to jam your phone. They want to follow you on Twitter so they know what you're doing. I know. They want you to talk. Yeah. So censor, censorship doesn't work. And I also think it just, it's not good for our country. Yeah. yeah. 
Right on, man. Well, we, look, uh, so we, we have gone over, so I think we're going to we'll, we'll wrap it up. We, we went 22 minutes over. It happens. We had a good conversation. But yeah, do you want to you want to shout out anything else before we before we start to wrap up? Well, geez, man. You know I mean, you're yeah. Well, please listen, like go to Sean for Congress. If you're if you're if you if you want true representation of the people uh, here in western Pennsylvania or across the state of Pennsylvania, or you want a warrior for our state. And invest in the movement. It's not about investing in me. Invest in the movement and the movement of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness for everybody. You know, I will always safeguard that, whether you're Republican, Democrat, or otherwise. Uh, maybe not communists, you know, but <laughs> everybody else, I will safeguard, you know, well, no. you, you want to be a commie in America. That's fine. That's yeah. cool. Just don't, don't try to tear down our system. Don't, you know, that's fine. I, I got, I got to say, I met, a, I met a commie. He was wearing a sickle and hammer. <laughs> I talked to him and I said, how do you feel about Antifa? And he goes, like those guys that are like smashing stuff. He's like, that's awful, dude. And I was like, really? I was like, but you're, you're a communist. Of course, of course I'm just joking. Don't weaponize this against me. I know people are going to – I know they're going to chop it up and he take hates, it out of context. He yeah. hates communists. He says commies are fine in America. I know that's – whatever, but I'm just no, saying listen. contribute to the campaign. I'd love to have you be a small part of our movement. It, you know, If we have the resources to get the message out, we'll be able to give this district back to the people. And that's that's my entire mission. Right, just give the power back to the people in the district and represent them well. Rad. What's your what's your Twitter or any any, any other social? media? Oh yeah, so I'm on Instagram at official Sean Parnell. I'm new there. Uh, I'm on Twitter at Sean Parnell USA, and I'm on Facebook. I think at official Sean Parnell too. I think cool. I got yeah. an official page. They got little blue check marks next to them. I think that yeah. means something. Nice means yeah. you're famous. <laughs> I don't know. Confirmed about that. <laughs> you, well, you run for office, all of a sudden you go, you get the blue check mark. But hey, man, thanks for thanks for coming on. It's, Thank it's, you it's for having fun. me, man. So for everybody else, make sure to tune in. We're we're live Monday through Friday at eight p.m. We'll be back. We have we'll have clips throughout the day tomorrow. You can follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Parlor at Timcast, and of course my other channels at YouTube.com/slash/Timcast and Timcast News. And of course you can follow at Sour Patch Lids, who's I've just been absorbing. Just, just absorbing. I'm here. I <laughs> at, am here. So at Sour Patch Lids L Y D S on Twitter and Parlor. We'll be back tomorrow. Tomorrow we have Ryan Ryan Long, right? We do. Mm-hmm. Ryan Long. Do you know who Ryan Long is? No. He's made these. He's a comedian. He's making these really really funny videos. Just They're and he hasn't been canceled yet? Not yet. Um, I think he might. He made this. You really on the brink. <laughs> he, he did. The, he, he, he did the one where it was the woke and the racist guy. And oh my gosh, that is one of the funniest videos ever. You're having him on tomorrow. Yeah, tomorrow That's cool. Oh tomorrow. my god, that yeah, video is brilliant. Did you see the one he did recently with the left and the right guy? No. The left wing guys yelling, like taking pictures, trying to keep. It was. It was. They're picking basketball teams, and the left wing guys like. Taking pictures, getting the guy, getting them fired, and the right wing guy, he's like, "Just come over here and play with me." And the guy walks over and he goes, "You see that Trump video? It's pretty reasonable, right?" And the guy is like, I, I, "Whatever." But it was like the perfect example of how the right is kind of just like chill. Yeah, like you know, I put in that video, that viral video, I put a vi- uh, Bernie Sanders in there. It was, it was, it was, uh, it was. Uh, <laughs> they got mad at you. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I put the guy. What the hell is the guy named? Larry David from Curb Your Enthusiasm as Bernie, and they're like. This is a representative for Congress. You can't run for Congress if you don't even know who Bernie. Sa- I'm like, <laughs> you know what, man? I'm really, I'm really excited for what's going to happen in maybe like four more years, because I think the big problem we have is the the old elitist kind of like political faction, like the Washington Beltway crony elitists, who have this like rigid way of doing things. But your ads were fun. Well, I mean, one of your ads, one, one was very serious, and I think it was important, but you had this really fun ad, and we're seeing you know, people trying to be more personable, more authentic, and I, I think it's great. I can only be me. Right on, man. All right, we're going to wrap it up. We'll see you all tomorrow at 8 p.m. live. Thanks for hanging out, and uh, we'll see you then. Bye, guys.